Break them. Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Beto. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And how are we, lads? How's things? How are we feeling? What's going on? I'd really like to know about JP's steak he had on Friday night. He told me to me on the show, and the anticipation has been killing me. So let's start things off with uh, Iceland's best meat product, products, eh, JP? It wasn't a great steak. As I'm very fond of saying, it did a job. <laughs> I found myself in Iceland and it was half price and it seemed rude. I got in and out of Iceland as quickly as possible because of social distancing, which appears just not to be a thing there at all. And that's really the Friday night Iceland steak adventure. I've got I've also a... involved a trip to Wilco's, which is next door as well, but very little <laughs> happening there. I've got a real problem with that because a steak should not be a meal that does a job. Like, I don't know, like the, that the, price. the 50p reduced ready meal that you got in the freezer or the, the Pizza Express reduced pizza that you throw in the freezer and is there for like three months in desperation. That's a job meal, not a steak. A steak needs to be savoured. It needs to be a special occasion and a treat. I'm, I, I'm gutted that you've degraded steak to that sort of level, to be honest. Point taken, and I probably have lower standards than you. That's probably where it goes. <laughs> well, we've started already, but for also joining us uh, from Digital Spies uh, is Stephanie Chase. Steph, any thoughts on Iceland steaks or in general? Um, I've never cooked a steak for myself in my whole life, um, and I've probably only eaten about five in my whole life, so no, I don't have any thoughts on that. <laughs> oh, Any thoughts on Iceland in general? Are you a fan? Yeah, I do love Iceland. I think they do the best um, chicken uh, garlic Kievs uh, because I've tried ones from other brands. And even though Iceland's, it's a pound for two, they're actually better than Waitrose, oh. M&S or, wow. or Tesco's. Is a pound for two just not too cheap, though? <laughs> like, without the reduction? Mate, you bought a steak in Iceland. You can't comment. It wasn't 50p. I know. I, they're really... Yeah, I'm- being a hypocrite here, Steph. Sorry. <laughs> Seriously, like try a try a chicken Kiev. Put it with your stick. Oh, oh, a good shot. Good combo. I, that seems a, ste- a step too far, but I'm willing to experiment with the uh, chicken and garlic Kiev. Kiev, so I definitely definitely think the liquid inside the Kiev could give an Iceland steak something like it could, you know, that bit of salt, maybe a dash of olive oil, transform the steak slightly. Like (laughs) JP, did you put anything on the steak, or was it just bare? It was bare. Mm. Bit of salt and pepper. Sorry, I'm a man of simple pleasures. What can I say? I'll be honest. I haven't been to Iceland much. I think ever since that documentary series started on Channel Five. I don't know if it's killed the magic oh, for me a little that. bit. I kind of, I, I kind of know how it's all made now. I, I just doesn't doesn't feel as special anymore. I spend a during lockdown, I've spent a lot of time in Aldi now. That's kind of my shop. Like they have good beers. They have like what was that stuff? Uh, what's wrong with Iceland? How is it made? What should I know? It's. I mean, it's just all. Very, it's what you'd expect to be honest. It's just all very mechanical. It's all kind of just like a load of 
goo squashed into some more goo and then like a robot puts a package around it and it's like and i'm sure it's like that everywhere but seeing it for myself and seeing some of my favorite foods made that way like they've got i was trying to go vegan earlier in the year and they've got like a really good vegan range and seeing how that gunk is put together just kind of put me off so yeah i've become become more of an aldi man who they were good for what well, the good for the beers because they've got lots of like innocent gun and, and stuff that i like but they're also like it makes me feel a little bit like i'm on holiday when i go to aldi it's like when I'm in Germany and I go to Netto and there's like all like, like specialty meats and like there's little fruit and veg yeah. bit and it's all it's all a bit exotic. I've kind of turned into an, an Aldi kind of guy now. But the I don't understand Aldi. Like, no? I, don't, I, I just don't understand like where's the food from? There is that. I think if there was a documentary about it, it might put me off that too. Um, yeah. But it's, it's still better than Little. There's a little over the road as well from the, uh, from the Aldi. Do you reckon? I, guess, I think they're just basically the same but little as a bakery and if i'm feeling you know kind of frisky and fancy one of those cheese rolls for 25p i might pop to little because those rolls are ridiculously cheap and well good well, i don't think my little has a bakery i think that if it did Is it i think not? i'll make that choice yeah yeah because i've got like yeah. three aldis right next to each other near me but i haven't got a bakery mm, they're building a little near me I'll have a Sainsbury's, a Lidl, an Aldi, and a Tesco's. Is that Lidl definitely still going in? Because the Matalan last time I went past was still there. <laughs> it's on its it's on its last legs. The TK Maxx will never go. That right. jumbo-sized TK Maxx, which is... It's too much going on in there, but that's a whole other conversation. This is why I joined us, Seth, like the local... mixed up with clothes. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> it's anarchy. But do you know why they have the sweets? Because that they have the sweets by the tills, don't they, in places like Primark mm. as well. And that's just like an added extra to try and make a few extra quid to tempt you, isn't it, while you're at the till? Isn't that the point behind it? Yeah. It is, but they, they'll have it in random places next to random stuff. Well, I suppose when you're on ASOS, when you get to the checkout, you don't see, like, do you fancy a dip-dab, do you, at the end of it as you're going through? <laughs> well, I don't know. Sports Direct do that. If you order stuff from there, they send you a nice little mug. Do they? Like, they have little add-ons like uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Have you not got a Sports Direct mug? That's like a, a right of passage. I've, I've had like three one. of them. I've definitely <laughs> had one in the past, but I, I don't, couldn't tell you where it is. Add-on sales are important, but I was going to say, this is, this is why you joined us, Steph, to hear about the local Oxford landmarks before we press record. JP was telling you about the best Irish bars where you live, because, of course, JP knows the answer to that. That's the important stuff. Yeah, JP's going to make me even more Irish in North London. There's a whole scene I'm missing out on, allegedly. It, it's, it's a kind of very, the word plastic immediately comes to mind, Steph, mm -hmm. of what you'd think of it. Um, but if you want to watch the Gaelic, trust me, I know a good few. There is many a place in your your neck of the woods. Are you into Gaelic, Steph? Absolutely not. No. Okay. <laughs> not at well, all. Right then. League of Ireland. No. I mean, no. I like to go somewhere that plays Irish music. That's always nice. But I don't want to watch any Irish sports. Sorry. That's all right. It's free will. Yeah. Um, I would say you don't know what you're missing out on, but I'm guessing you really do. You would have grown up with it. Yeah. yeah. What's, like, the most Tory Irish sport, JP? Like, I'll give you grief for, like, rugby being, like... Rug probably rugby, actually. Okay. Cricket. Oh, uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Is that an Irish sport? Well, they play it in public schools. Oh, do they? Oh, yeah, yeah, they play it in public schools in Dublin and in Belfast, and they sort of rotate between the two. Right. What's Gaelic considered? It would be like the Irish sport. Right. It would be like seen like, as like the rebel sport. The thoroughbred. You want to go down that road? 
Right. Well, it's the Irish sport. It's the kind of, you know, it's 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 all about the county and the rest of it. Did you go back to watching Normal People, JP? Because there was some good Gaelic in that, and I was having to explain the rules of it to my girlfriend. She was very <laughs> confused as to why, like, there were, like, football goals, but they were picking it up and smashing the ball at the goal. Like, she, she couldn't get her head around it. She didn't know what Gaelic was. Do you know what? I haven't gone back to watch Normal People. Good job. Because I... All I've heard is how good it is, how raw it is, mm. how kind of... I'm, and I'm just like, oh, to be honest with you, I could just do with watching some shite at the minute. Mm. So, like, it just... I know it sounds terrible, it's only half an hour, but it's like I'm scared of it. I'm just like, yeah. oh, God, am I going to be shaking like a shitting dog by it, the end of this? It's a big emotional oh, investment, like, it does hurt. Like, yeah. Like, that's how I felt at the end of it. I think I'm just getting more sensitive in my old age, but, yeah, it, it hit me, JP, so I reckon it might hit you too. Mmm... I haven't. Have you seen this step at all? No, I have not seen normal people. No, no, no interest in it either. No, I've heard of it, but I mean, I don't have time to be watching regular television. Like, <laughs> I mean, think of all the wrestling there is. Like, how do you get time? This is a problem. To watch television? JP, I was going to ask you, how far does your Irishness go? Can you do Irish dancing? No, not at all. His dance um, fucking awful. It's not awful, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> no, I can't do Irish dancing. A friend of mine, like, kind of trained people, did it from school. He was a man who, even when he was 17, looked like he was 50. Um, and he's, like, Irish dancing. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, but it's no, like Wayne, I couldn't Wayne Sleep or something. No, you'd be talking, <laughs> Jesus Christ, river dance, man. Michael Flatley. Michael yeah, Flatley. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember when it was on in Eurovision, though. I don't know if that was uh, an epoch-making moment for you, Steph. I remember when that was on in Eurovision. I remember my granny having the Riverdance video, and all of a sudden, everyone was just obsessed with Riverdance. No uh, reason. Country went berserk, didn't it? It did. It was like, it, it's just really weird to, to look back at the Riverdance phenomenon. It did. It, I mean, he always seemed like an odd character. Oh, yeah. Lord of the Dance. Oh, like, yeah. That yeah. was a thing. Yeah. Like, people absolutely lost their fucking minds over that. I mean, I'm assuming that's how my mate makes his full-time living doing that. <laughs> I, I tried doing Irish dancing when I was drunk at a wedding, and it was effectively, <laughs> I was, like, kneecapping myself. <laughs> so it was, like, bollocks to this. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's a young person's game. No, I've never tried. Like I feel like being from Liverpool and, and being a bit ginger, I've maybe got a bit of Irish blood in me, JP. I've been told that by my dad before, but no, think so. me either. <laughs> it's usually the case. To be fair, Joe's wearing a Boston Celtics jersey as well, so you know, there's a lot of Irish going on. Yeah. Not a jersey, mate. I've not got the guns to pull off like the proper vest jersey. Just a just a replica t shirt. A few years old now as well. Kevin Garnett on the back. I think he's long gone. Oh, looking good. Very good in, in uncut gems though, didn't he? He made a big comeback in that, Kevin Garnett. Oh, star actor. I think he's got a career ahead of him if he chooses uh chooses an acting path potentially. I'd like to see it. <laughs> On the T-shirts front, I would like to give a shout-out because I'm wearing one for Rocky Mack, who's from Waterford, <laughs> and, and I'm wearing his, his who's T-shirt. That? Uh, he's a wrestler who, over the lockdown period, did a lot of sort of yeah. one-question videos on uh, social media that were uh, very good. The, the one where him going... he interviews himself, is that what you're going to say? Like the one where he interviews himself from the past, is it? It's brilliant. And he just wants to ask him about football manager, basically. <laughs> like his version of him in the past. 
well, I think it is in WWE, and it was very good, very funny. And then Jamesy told me it's from Waterford, and I went, "All oh, right, I'll, I'll spare this bloke a bit of money that I would have used to travel to work." So, yeah, here it is. Not an exciting story. Steph, what what T-shirt have you got? On? <laughs> that sounded weird. This is a this is a this is an isn't Sorry. a social media, but we're talking about T-shirts. <laughs> I was going to say we don't yeah, have a video of this. Terrible audio. <laughs> I have the Minoru Suzuki T-shirt on. There nice. you go. There we go. Yeah. Uh, I feel left out. Sorry about that. For, for anyone else wondering, I've got a plain black t-shirt on, I'm afraid. I'm getting old. It's my default attire these days. Where's that GCW one you bought? I know, mate. I should have it on. Should. I've got a New Japan one I bought recently as well. Uh, you got to be oh. careful with the different oh, wrestling, with the wrestling t-shirts you buy these days. Uh, the GCW uh, t-shirt might be in danger of uh, being one I can't wear going forward. But the New Japan one, can still you can get away with. Companies, I think, Wait. are the safer bet than wrestlers right now. Which one did you buy, Benno? Oh, it's like the it's the one Rev Shop. I felt like at the start of lockdown, like Andy Q put like a bit of a tweet out about how Rev Pro was struggling a bit. So I went to the Rev Pro store and went to shop for a t-shirt. Utter shite in that shop, nothing good. And then I found like there's like this, it's like white, black, and red, like the New Japan logo. Uh, I've not seen it before. It's a nice t-shirt though. Um, but again, yeah, no, not one for our audio listeners, which is everyone. This conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we launching a video version of the podcast, JP? Is that coming? Is that what we're saying? People can that see. That will it. never happen. <laughs> that, that 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 will never happen. Uh, people can see our, our lovely haircut. Steph, you've gone pink. I've got, I've got, I've got number one on the sides. I finally got my haircut after waiting three months for it. It was a wonderful day. The, the, the well, bo- what's the hairdresser situation like? Well, he like he had literally. Uh, I'm a, my hairdresser is a wrestling fan, so shout out to his name's Ray Guns, and he sells he sells like bullet club <laughs> style t shirts for his store. Wrestler Ray Guns. Yeah. Oh yeah, he has wrestled before as well. He's a lovely bloke. He's got a shop in Liverpool in the uh, in the Baltic Market area. If anyone's uh, on the search for somewhere to go and get your haircut, um, but he, he's, is he in Phoenix Knights as well. Afraid not, but he does sell his main t shirt that he sells. He's a mullet club t shirt, so I feel like that's a perfect. Uh, is that why you chose him as your hairdresser? Yeah, it's how, how we kind of got talking. I was in the market for a new hairdresser, Joe, and I was like, if I'm going to have to talk to like a barber for, for 30 minutes, then it might as, be, might as well be somebody I can actually talk about something I know about, which is just wrestling these days. So it kind of worked out. But <laughs> yeah, when I went, he had like a, a big visor on. Uh, I had my mask on at least at first. So like there's a lot of... Uh, Safety precautions taken there. They've all got, yeah, like these see-through visors on while they're working. Uh, I felt safe, to be honest. I felt safer than sitting in Weatherspoons. felt safer than, like, because I went, it was where, you know, where the Peaky Blinders bar is in Liverpool, JP? Like, it's in that oh, little yeah. area. And, like, so that's... Seared, seared on the retinas, that, mate. I had to run, I had to cut through, like, the, the, this is one of the main bar areas, and it was so full of people. Like, I'm, to be honest, I mainly wore a mask just to get through that sea of people. Not really to get my hair cut, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I feel like... Near the Baltic uh, market, that way. That's it, yeah. So I feel like the barbers was the uh, the least of my worries there. Has anyone been to a pub over the weekend at all? No. No, nor have I. I, cut, I, I was desperate cut. for a carling, though, mate. I really was. Oh, I had to cut through a pub garden <laughs> yesterday when I was on a walk. Like, there was no other way we could have gone, but this pub garden was on this, like, river... So we had to cut through this pub called like the Boatman's Inn or something. And loads of people outside. I've never seen so much carling in my life. It was just like pints of carling as far as the eye could see. Mm. But this place was rammed. I mean, I went for a run on Saturday and passed four different pubs on the run. Queues outside to get in these pubs. 
Then I ever heard my neighbours talking. They were having a barbecue, proper rowdy barbecue that was. And they were talking about the queues outside Weatherspoons in town as well. So big weekend, big weekend. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not brave enough to do that yet. Um, I kind of I get it in some ways, but like I feel like the daytime thing, like even Weatherspoons, it's kind of somewhere you can eat. It's a little bit more civilized, but then you, you kind of saw some of the videos and photos coming out at late at night once once people had had a few drinks. I can imagine it's uh, it, I think Soho was a, was one of the, the the photo videos I saw where it was just like just once people have had the drink, they're just on top of each other and all social distancing goes out the window. There's no way you can police that like people social distancing when they're all drunk and Soho. It looked like you couldn't even move on the street. Never mind mm. people. And um, yeah, are the people are the bartenders wearing masks and stuff? Um, in they weren't in the place I saw because I saw a couple of the bar staff bring in like trays out with drinks on, and they they didn't have anything on. Mm. Um, so it didn't look like there was much going on. To be honest, I didn't see any hand sanitizer anywhere either. I was I was being a bit of a hawk and having a good look, making sure I knew what was going on there. But nah, it didn't look like they were doing much. Even though I passed through for like ten seconds, I still sort of was there for enough time to kind of see if anything. But thing is with Soho as well, you got to think. How many of those people are then getting on the tube as well? Oh yeah. And like, what? I don't know if you've been using the tube still, Steph. But I imagine that is absolute hell at the moment. I haven't. Um, I haven't used the tube since February. Wow. Was that with us? It probably was, wasn't it? The last time. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that was February, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was probably like a week or two later was like the last time I used the tube, and then I haven't used a bus since about March. So, I mean, I'm not like, yeah, I'm not doing anything, but I'm certainly not brave enough to go in a bar. Like, mm. at all. if I'm not brave enough to go to Topshop, I'm not brave enough to go to a bar. So, I'm not like. <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it, to be fair. Like, I, I think the thing. Topshop on Oxford Street would be absolute hell at the moment as well, wouldn't it? That'd just well, be terrifying. Imagine. It would be if they're letting like anyone in. If they're only letting like ten people in, it's big enough for you all to space out. But if it's a free fall, then yeah, I would say it was mad. Mm. I think I think we're at a point now where we've just got all got to kind of use our common sense, haven't we? Like I'm I'm at a point where I don't trust any government guidance that comes out. Like yeah. I, it's just a case. Like even things like my mum was very like when they brought out the bubble idea. Or you can just come round, you can eat dinner, and we can you know we don't have to social distance. And I was like, mum, you're like you're in your sixties. I'd rather not. I don't think it's a good idea. Um, but I'll, but I've kind of, I've gone round like this weekend was the first time I went round for dinner, and we still we kept our distance and stuff. Um, I've been round to you know make Matty's house to watch uh, the GCW pay per view, which I'll uh, I'll mention a bit later as well. And we kept the distance at different corners of his uh, of his living room as well, and tried to tried to be careful. Um, I don't think anyone's strictly following the rules anymore, but I do think you've just I know not everyone you can't trust everyone's common sense, but I think you've kind of got to. I don't do it have Matty Edwards down as a man who would ever follow the lockdown rules. To be honest with you, Ben, <laughs> he seems sort of like flagrantly Blake at Brakem. <laughs> Oh, he's a care of it. He's a very responsible guy, you know. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, did you not see the picture of him on Instagram this week with his pink bandana on? He's uh, he's had I a bit of lockdown. I, oh, I, yeah. thought that, I thought that was an LAX tribute. <laughs> I think it might have been. Uh, but yeah, the picture, it's me, him and crew. We've both got masks on. He's wearing the bandana. Even for the photo, we were very careful. We're a responsible group of lads. 
That's nice. I've only seen like one of my friends in the park. That's as far as I've gone to like yeah. meeting people. <laughs> it's probably the right. I really want to go home, but I like I, as in you know to Belfast. But mm. I don't know when I would get on a plane. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the really scary. So I was thinking much the same thing. Is mm. is even if you want to go away this summer, are you going to trust public transport to then go to the airport? The airport's going to be fine. Mm. Are you going to have to quarantine? Mm. I mean, my neighbour has come back from Portugal and he's been quarantining. And like, in fairness, the poor fella has to see me several times a day on the balcony. And like, it's lovely chat. Like, he's a lovely bloke. You can tell 14 days being more or less forced to speak to me several times a day. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if I could go through that, Mm. really, to be honest with you. So, yeah, we'll take our minds off watching too much wrestling again yeah i think it's, it, it, i almost felt like i needed to take my mind off wrestling to be honest like rather than mm. you know it, it's usually the escape isn't it but like obviously after the last couple of weeks it's not really been the escape like to be honest i've been just trying to watch the just shite um I, this is like mm. to do this podcast is the most wrestling i've watched in a little while uh at least in the last two weeks or so like, I watched Friday at the weekend. Oh, I watched it recently. Did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I listened to... Chris uh, Tucker and Ice Cube. Yeah. yeah. I thought it'd be right yeah. up your street, Great Jason. soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, I remember Friday. <laughs> I listened to a podcast on the weekend, Benno. Did you ever listen to the Rewatchables, Bill Simmons podcast? Oh, no, I don't think I have. I've listened to it. I'll send you the link. They do a review, uh, like a 25-year, like, later review of it where they rewatch it and go through, like some of the key kind of like moments in the film and like cast and decisions and stuff and go over like how cool ice cube is in the film and oh, like, ice, ice cubes clobber in that film. He looks like an absolute boss in that it's shirt. Check those shirt jeans like... and those Nikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Conan yeah. style. Yeah. yeah. That's like... like the signature ice cube look for me. Oh, totally. Like it's the same as in uh, kind of boys in the hood. Isn't it? He's got the thing about ice cube is I don't even think he's that good an actor, but he's got such an expressive face. Like, that angry or shocked Ice Cube face is just perfect. Like, he's so good at that film. Like, I love it. Um, but yeah, I, I was... He brings that energy to the uh, Jump Street films as well, which are a couple of films that I always enjoyed. <laughs> and Anaconda as well, on that boat. Do you remember that? With Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> and John Voight, yeah. <laughs> is that the one where the snake pukes up John Voight? He winks at Jennifer Lopez and then yep. dies. Yeah, absolutely that happened, awful. Right? Yeah. yeah. From what I remember, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but it's fucking awful. Mid-90s, as we've said many, many times, the absolute Wild West. Have you, have you guys been watching anything like that to, uh, to keep your minds occupied uh, before this podcast? Um, I watched uh, What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> I, will, I do have to big that up. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And um, one There's particular... series. Oh, sorry. Where are you up to on it, Steph? No, uh, you watched the BBC series? Or oh, the- yeah, yeah. The, oh. The, the two series. Have you seen them? I've seen the full first series and a couple of episodes of the second series. There, are you like, you're loving it then in that yeah. case. You're completely hooked. Yeah. Right. It's fantastic. There is an episode, if you like Matt Berry, it, <laughs> where it's just him. And all I'll say is it just says, Jackie Daytona, human bartender, regular human bartender. And I'll just leave it at that. Where, okay. And you just like watching Matt Berry for, and Mark Hamill for half an hour in this just ridiculous comedy. And that was great to kind of switch my head off along with uh, a new true crime thing that's on HBO called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. 
that looks very, very good that I was narrowing on to Joe about today. So, yeah, that's the kind of nonsense I've been watching. Oh, I've been I've been similar in terms of shit. I've been watching loads of these Gordon Ramsay shows. Like I've got like a proper soft spot for these like formulaic Ramsay shows where he turns up somewhere as a go at a load of people for underperforming, tells them they're doing shit, tells them why they're shit, then somehow manages to motivate them and then they get things underway. Even there's a brief hiccup as they're getting things back underway. They get past that and then by the end of it, it's all great. Like I've been watching a lot of that. And it's just such easy viewing, such formulaic rubbish in which he plays like like life counsellor, chef, manager. Um, God, what other roles does he play in it? Often he's like quite flirtatious as well, I find, if it's like a female owner of the restaurant. Like I always sense some like weird Ooh. tension between them. Like wouldn't trust Ramsey personally. Don't want to get any rumours died, put it that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, those are very easy viewing. There was one in Memphis at the uh, Catfish Cabin, which I then saw something about Jerry Lawler there at one point. Uh, so there's your wrestling connection with Gordon Ramsay if you want one. <laughs> uh, I, I want to set up like Rev Joe's Kitchen Nightmares now. Like I feel like you could you could fill that role, Joe. I don't think you'd be. I don't. I, I feel like you'd be more above board than Gordon Ramsay. But I think that there could be a series in that. You could go around. I'll like- be honest, Benno. Some of his tactics. I, I said to my girlfriend, "I'm like, I, I can't believe in the year 2020 he's still able to employ these tactics and he hasn't been cancelled yet because he's kind of like a bit of a bully at times uh, and is like proper rough. This one I watched today, he throws a towel at this guy like because he's like letting him down. He's not performing to like the standard of chef that he knows he is. And I was thinking to myself, right, if I was to like as a teacher, if I threw a towel or threw anything at a student, I'm at the door. Like immediately, Ramsey is his own production company. He does what the fuck he wants. He comes in, he basically raises hell, he kicks some ass, and he leaves. Kind of like Stone Cold Steve Austin when he likes to turn up. There is a bit of an Austin vibe about Ramsey, actually. That, that's a comparison I've never put together before. What, <laughs> what does that make Jamie Oliver if Ramsey's Austin? Oh, God, Cena. <laughs> you know what? That makes sense. <laughs> the PG version. Yeah. Basically, all right, mate. How's it going? Yeah, lovely, lovely. Ah, oh, I can't stand Jamie. Goes Oliver. over all the time. Like yeah, when you I think, that restaurant and stuff. Yeah, I think Jamie Oliver's shit. I reckon those hairy bikers are like the um, Williams and Gordy of like the TV chefs. If we were going to choose anyone. <laughs> oh yeah, they get a couple of Japan tours in. Oh, it works. Definitely. <laughs> Ainsley Harriet. Hmm. I'll have to think on that one. The Rock. There is a charisma there, but not in the same way as The Rock. It's more of like a bubbly, sort of over-the-top charisma, isn't it? He's got a great smile as Ainsley Harrier. It always amuses me. Big awesome. Nah, because is he that big? Like, if you t- Ramsey's like the the most... Surely he's the most famous chef, right? Yeah. Is there anyone more famous than Ramsey chef-wise? I think that's it. I think he's, he's top of the get to America. <laughs> Sorry, Steph. I just said Gino DeCampo. <laughs> He's an Iceland man as well. I need Campo. He's got a range of food at Iceland, like special he's, premium food. He feels he's like he'd be all the way over the me. Who DeCampo? Yeah, he'd be like he'd be like the savage. He'd be like the, the no, he'd be like the hardcore favorite. I think with the like you said, JP, with those uh, those pizzas he's got in Iceland and stuff. He's uh, something for the working man as well. Uh, I feel like yeah, he's maybe not top of the card, but he's in the mix. It makes him sound like a kind of early 90s Bret Hart type thing. There you go. That's it. Gino DeCampo. 
which is possibly the greatest piece of praise that he may ever been given. There's loads. I know there's Guy Fieri and stuff like that, and that man versus food stuff. Oh, that's like the underground, like more indie type uh, worker, if you ask me. It's Nick Cage. He's a thoroughly good bloke. Does he? Yeah. I don't know too much about him. I read an article on it, and he seems well all right. Uh, Okay, I'm only into my mainstream TV chefs, and my angry ones are that. (laughs) Uh, How about you, Steph? You've been watching any uh, chef programs, uh, anything non-wrestling in general? No. I've I've been watching Dead to Me on Netflix. That's pretty good, Mm. if you've ever watched that. Um, What's that? It's a series with Christina Applegate, who I like from Married with Children, because I used to be into that when I was a kid. God, yeah. Yeah, now she's um, all grown up, and she plays a woman whose husband gets hit and killed by a hit driver, and then she meets this really weird woman in, like, a support group, and anything further would be a spoiler, but it's pretty good. It's pretty, like, dark comedy stuff, but I've kind of binge-watched that over the past, like, three days. How many, se- how many seasons is it? It's two seasons, so I've nearly finished the second one, and then I just read today that there's going to be a third and final season. So, and then the other woman is uh, Linda Cardellini, that was in Scooby- oh from Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's been pretty good. But uh, other than that, just wrestling. Was Linda Cardellini? Did she was she not in the Scooby Doo film? Yeah. Yeah. Velma, I think she plays. She plays Velma, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. like I was always, I was a, I love Freaks and Geeks, but I've never actually, fin- I've never finished it. Like, and I know the series doesn't really finish anyway, does it? Like, but I think I got to a point where I was just like, I knew I was getting to. It was one of those shows where I knew I was getting towards the end. It was only a couple of years ago when I finally watched it, and I've almost been putting off finishing it because I know it's done then, and it's the end of it. But it's like it's such a such a great like under appreciated show that I love that so much. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great show. Um, but there you go. TV recommendations for everybody. <laughs> Just to, it's uh, been a while. Yeah, we got to gotta keep everyone busy. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, we probably do need to talk wrestling at some point as much as, you know, we maybe don't want to uh, in the in the current <laughs> situation. But we thought it was a, a good idea to bring Steph on, who's an actual wrestling journalist, unless, unlike us chances, to... Uh, to help us get uh, caught up on everything uh obviously the the speaking out story is massive and you know we covered that in in quite a bit of detail and the uh the show that came out thursday not a huge amount of news following up from that um but i was gonna say like if we wanted like news to cheer us up at least there's wwe giving all their wrestlers covid so that's a that's a whole new story as well. Has Vince got it yet? That, that all I'm into is Vince and Pritchard. Like, Pritchard, it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. Vince, like, I will not, I'll stop. But you can probably guess what my reaction will be if, you know, that occurs, possibly. Sorry, Steph, I'm probably uh, fucking you over for work opportunities right now. <laughs> So I'll stop. <laughs> Stephanie Chase with Digital think, Spy Thoughts. <laughs> do you think he'd honestly tell you if Vince had COVID, though? Oh, no way. He'd fight, he'd act like he's got a cold, wouldn't he, and, and pretend he's not sick. Like, that's totally what... Because that's the thing. Like Jamie Noble, you know, came out and said he had it. Adam Pearce had it, who literally sits in gorilla with Vince. There's a load of anonymous... Re- like, some of the reports, Steph, I think we're saying as many as 30 people worthy um, having it. Like, he's around it. He's an older guy. I feel. I feel like like there's a good chance. 
I've got a conspiracy theory with the COVID outbreak as well and mm. why some of the um, stories and some of the cases have been broken. So think of the timing of getting rid of Heyman mm. and think of the COVID outbreak. And who, who does Heyman still clearly talk to? Like, clearly loads of the stuff from backstage that Meltz against was, was Heyman. And it just seemed like the timing was almost too coincidental when you put it together in some way. Mm. But this outbreak occurred kind of, what, within a week of mm. Heyman losing that role. And it's not as if Lesnar's going to be around for a while, is it? So, you know, he's not going to be there as talent. And then this all kicks off and goes a bit mad and... Yeah, we don't know too much unless, I don't know, the likes of Renee Young uh, putting it up on their, well, she put it online, didn't she, somewhere and mm. announced that she had it and they weren't happy with her for telling the world that she was sick. Mm. You know, odd we logic. We work had got, put her in a position where she was going to get sick. Exactly. Yeah. A- but it seems Moxley doesn't have it, which is good. Mm. Yeah. Yes, but- it seems they did um, quite the social distancing at home. Yeah, he, he's been like smart about it as well. You can tell he's annoyed, like with the the stuff that's kind of you know getting out about it and just generally having to stay home. But like this is an AEW wrestler having to stay home because of the unfortunate inaction of, of WWE. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He kind of he took took the TV off. He's not going to be on the second part of Fighter Fest to be sure. Um, and yeah, as far as as far as we know, there's no report out that. That he's had it himself, um, but yeah, what a what a situation though. Like I know, I think I hear Brian Alvarez say like he's. I know there's been I think quite a few sources to be honest, not just Alvarez, but lots of stories of you know numbers of it being up to up to literally twenty to thirty positive cases in WWE. They did that Undertaker um, tribute show, that weird SmackDown where they kind of it was. Almost like a like a tribute show to to someone who just passed, but it was, it was so that show was so weird. If you oh. just tuned in, you would have thought. Oh, totally! Like Jeff Hardy on his knees doing the Undertaker pose, and, <laughs> and the the, uh, the thank you take a chant from the drones uh, on stage. You wonder why there's no stars in wrestling now when <laughs> when that stuff's happening. But like they they've literally been forced to do that because of this, and yeah, like like Joe said, then the only names we really know are you know. Renee Young, Pierce Noble, then Kayla Braxton came out, and that the poor woman's apparently had it twice, um, which actually scared me to be honest, because I'm I, I'm pretty sure I had it at the start of the pandemic and had gotten a little bit too brave, and now I'm thinking, oh god, I could I, I probably could get it twice. It, it could happen to somebody, um, but it, yeah, it does feel like this was only a matter of time. I I've got concerns about the way AW run. You know, sometimes you know there's. You see people in the crowd who don't have masks on. They've started to allow more people into the arena. So there are some of those minor issues. But what you can always say about AEW and what you can always say about um, UFC as well is that the testing is there and that they've, and that's the best. I think UFC are like, are an amazing model for it. Like, I, I know Dana White isn't the, the greatest bloke in the world, but to be fair to them, they've gone above and beyond with their testing. Like, there's about... For the show abroad this weekend, JP, isn't, aren't they all doing, like, six tests at, at some point? Like, they, they're at the yeah. airport on the way to Fight Island, then they get to Fight Island, they get tested again. Um, you know, if you're going to do it, that's the way to do it. And AW have been doing this and been doing testing from the start, whereas WWE, yeah, it was, you know... Do you have any symptoms? Maybe a temperature check. 
no enforcement of masks. Like it just felt, even if you're not looking at it from a moral point of view, from a business point of view, it seems crazy to put the entire show at risk, especially in Florida with the amount of cases there. Yeah, Florida seems like the absolute worst place to live right now. Mm. Like, it is. Fine. Yeah. I am surprised that more a that there hasn't been anyone in AEW get it just because there's a lot of wrestlers from WWE and AEW that do mix, like not just Renee and Moxley, but mm. like Baker, Adam Cole. You would have just thought that like something would happen. So I am surprised, but um, AEW do seem to be doing a better job. And I think the empty the empty arena thing, uh, like open air arena, sorry, mm. like that helped a lot. I'd certainly feel much safer being in an open air than yeah. stuck in the performance center. Because oh, it's not a big place, the performance center. Oh, you've been, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and especially like where they're actually holding the shows. Like it's 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 not it's not a big place really. Mm. Yeah, it's basically a gym they've turned into a wrestling studio, isn't it? It's not like it's it feels like it's purpose built, but it's not, is it? It's just kind mm. of what they're making do with at the moment. And yeah, you know, even keeping, we all all said, didn't we, JP, when they brought in the, you know, we, when AEW had people in the crowd, as long as you can do that safely, we thought that was the right thing to do. So WWE did it, and obviously they put their WWE spin on it and turned them into kind of mindless, mindless zombies in WWE match, um, chanting like the WWF, WWF Warzone game from 1997. It was there's a reference for you, but yeah, it, it just it's just awkward and awful and just staged and phony. But at the same time, they still can't help themselves, like doing things like having the street profits make entrances through the crowd where there's people without masks. And I think, you know, if the reporter to believe this breakout may have started with an NXT contracted wrestler being one of the first people to to turn out to have COVID. Um, and at the end of the day, like, like Steph said, then Florida is like ground zero for this stuff right now. Like they've got like 10 times as many cases as the entire country of japan i think mm. is like the how bad the numbers are right now it's the worst place to be doing it as well and to to have been taking these risks all this time so yeah did feel like only a matter of time what i didn't understand about the crowd is why they would want them to have no personality mm. like i don't even understand the logic of that why like you couldn't have um like someone like just for example, because I always see her in the crowd, like Shotzi Blackheart in the crowd, looking mm. like herself, and like giving giving like the mean eye to some of the women on the main roster, just something. So like when the camera gets to her, the commentator could say, "Look, she's on NXT. She's she's really good. She's got in competition." I just don't understand why you want them to be mm. avatars. It just doesn't make sense. Control. Honestly, I think it's a control thing. You look at the way they treat. Um their backstage interviewers as well and their announcers think about like dasha and what she was like when she was in wwe and how she is now where she's like full of personality and full of life and Ooh. i feel like they're treating the crowd in that same way as well overproduced control nothing organic nothing about that product feels organic and you know i can't comment on the crowds so i've not seen anything since that what was that last show we had to review that in your house nxt shite that went on <laughs> and th- if, if the crowds haven't changed since then it just feels like they are minions in the crowd that are being controlled for the purposes of creating some form of atmosphere 
like if it's atmosphere i don't know i don't know if it helps the shows or not but yeah it feels like say something like big swole got herself over yeah. big time you look at um pineapple pete that whole thing yeah yeah and you look at the, how organic that felt as well yeah and it just feels like, I don't know, WWE don't see those opportunities anymore. And it's really a shame. And when they do see an opportunity like that, it feels like it's there as a backslap and exercise to pat everyone on the back for coming up with a great idea and executing a great idea and a plan and all the rest of it, rather than letting something come about because of organic circumstances. Look at when anything organic comes up in that company and look at how they try to shut it down. Think about Daniel Bryan as the prime example of them trying to shut down what was the most or what should have been the most organic push in the the history of that company. And now they can't let it exist. They're just a, a, a company that are incapable of creating anything organic Everything is controlled and everything goes through. It feels to me like lines of management and bureaucracy at this point, and it's depressing. I was going to say with the AEW crowds, I mean, and obviously you pointed out what is the big difference is that the crowds are actually feel like they're part of the show, mm. what they've done. They've recognized that you need that. You need something to be able to kind of, as a, as a viewer, you can't be doing it in silence. Like bring the example of the games of football that have been on. And they've had to pipe in the crowd noise compared to the like just hearing silence. As much as I don't like cr- crowd noise or canned laughter, I'm happy to kind of put up with it as opposed to the kind of uncomfortable feeling of otherwise. And they work it really well with um, with it. I just don't understand why they're not socially distancing and wearing a mask. You could do the mask in some sort of merch related way. I mean, like well, that's what AEW did, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. but the cheerleaders. Like, it's and they not did like, it as a comedy spot, and it was funny. Nah. But and there's it, not enough. There's not enough space. Like there's more than enough space to shift them around Daly's place without losing a lot of the ambience. It's when they're all kind of. I think they just forget, and they just assume we've been tested. It's fine, mm. so we'll do I this. I think it's that. Yeah, I think they just forget. Like it, it's it's like the crowds of people you see outside pubs. Like they just. <laughs> They think we're out there, you know, they just forget about it. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, the AEW definitely have the space to socially distance more, but I think, yeah, the open air setting kind of makes them feel a lot safer to just kind of do whatever. Because yeah. they're kind of pushing it as well, AEW now. Like they've got the people at the front who are all tested. They've kind of got this mid-range area, haven't they, where, you know, you can kind of see people off in the distance. And apparently that's family members who have been tested, which I assume will be the likes of Trent's mum. Um, and then further up in the gods, like it was in the Observer this week, they had 50 miscellaneous people who didn't really say who they were, whether they were fans or what, who were allowed in, but were very much spaced apart. I think they didn't do full te- tests with them. They did temperature checks, which mm, I'm not sure if that's the, the greatest thing, as we've learned with WWE. And they're starting to push it a little bit there. And, and yeah, and maybe that sounds to me like they're, they're testing for the waters to, to having fans in. But I don't know. I kind of feel like all this happening in Florida, unless they move it to Georgia again or, you know, find somewhere else to run, doesn't seem like the brightest idea. Um, and again, well, AW are a million miles better than the WWE, we've got to say that. And the issue with the outbreak, though, is that some states, if you're looking at places where they've kind of got flattened their curve, like in the Northeast, like New York and New Jersey, you're not going to be allowed to come in from other states. Mm-hmm. There is going to come a point where the idea of going to Florida kind of means you're going to have to stay in Florida mm, and yeah. whether or not they'll be able to go to Georgia. And they're kind of limited because the cases are kind of exponentially reaching. I can see a point 
in the not too distant future where they're going to kind of be forced to shut down. Mm. I was reading about where AWR that um, that it's it's a bit safer than Orange County where WWE are, but ultimately it it feels like that's not going to make a difference because people are using hotels and they're using public transport. And yeah, I, I could see a point where they're just going to have to lock stuff down for a bit. Did you see the interview that Roman did this week where he basically like he made he made the point that I would be thinking of where he he basically said that he can trust WWE, but he can't trust that the other wrestlers are following the same precautions when they're not wrestling. Mm. And I think like just looking at people's Instagrams and stuff like it's not as if they're isolating at home or anything when they're not wrestling. Oh, yeah. So. I totally got his point there. I would feel exactly the same. Yeah, it's, it, I think for wrestlers, it's a bit like, again, the UFC thing. Most, like 80% of your job is keeping in shape, isn't it, and working out. So I kind of get it in some ways that wrestlers maybe feel like they have to go to the gym or they have to, you know, be in public to stay in shape. But there are definitely wrestlers who are posting vid- even stuff from backstage, like early on it, it, during the pandemic. There were photos and videos like wrestlers were putting from backstage. Like, yep, you're not socially distanced there. Um, you're definitely. Isn't it really interesting though? Because backstage is a Fox show as well, isn't it? Right? Mm. Oh, you're not talking about that. You're talking about oh, backstage. literally backstage, and it's not a Fox right. show anymore, Joe. It's gone. It's but, uh, it's done for say, now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I thought you meant in the early days of the pandemic. <laughs> but you think about any other. Um, company or any other business right and like football I sort of get to some extent if especially if you're a player and you're around people during the game and stuff right mm. but other industries and other businesses that are kind of have a television presence or have kind of an entertainment purpose that are still up and running I've not seen pictures like I have from wrestling from any of those other um, kind of endeavors so like I don't know um, I've got Newsnight on in the background at the moment, right? And I've not seen pictures of Emily Maitlis and whoever the interviewee was in the studio that night hanging out backstage with their arms around each other. Mm. It feels like WWE to me, almost not directly, but there is a kind of pressure to post on Instagram and to put stuff on Instagram, especially if you're one of the female talents who has different endorsements, different sponsors. Because doesn't Lana and like Mandy Rose make an absolute fuckload from their Instagram? Apparently, I remember hearing. I believe so. So yeah. I wonder whether there's a, a sort of an implied is that as pressure. Influences? I think so. Yeah. So I wonder if there's an implied pressure there to some degree, I and mean, it kind of you know boost the wwe brand on social media to some degree so it just feels like wwe have had to you know try to battle this the whole time the whole way through and all the rest of it and this is just another example of them doing that and you know if you're going out there and you're wrestling um and you're still going on and you're continuing as a company and you're treating a virus as if it's an inconvenience it doesn't send a message to your staff it doesn't make you feel like a leader in any way at all when it comes to health so in the same way that boris johnson went around shaking hands in march and got the coronavirus you know it feels to me like there's no leadership and leadership starts at the top and especially in a company like wwe which is very much a top-down trickle-down company Mm. so i think that is on them for not installing that and maybe saying, if you're going to post on Instagram, make sure you're, you're employing social distancing. They could easily have said to talent, if you post on Instagram, why don't you post some stuff about how you're socially distancing while you're at work to show what we are doing, but also to send a message to the public as we are role models in some way to show that we are doing this 
this so you can do this as well. But ah, it's irresponsible, isn't it, at the end of the day? I don't care. Yeah. They just want to make some really bad wrestling and get it out there during this <laughs> pandemic period. And <laughs> I'm not going to watch any more of it. So there you go. Joe, we need entertainment. That's what we've been told. That it's uh, it's an essential service. This uh, this entertainment that, <laughs> that WWE gave us. The PR guy with Charlotte who was talking yeah. about. Um, it comes yeah, from. The, he was, that was what he was saying. It comes from the top. He was like, our, our boss Vince McMahon thinks we have a duty to offer entertainment to the world. So who are we to question it, Joe. I, I don't know. Who are we? We do a podcast where we talk <laughs> shit, basically, and I kick off on WWE whenever I get the opportunity. So here we are. Well, I was, I was going to ask on that point, actually. You mentioned not watching WWE anymore. Does that mean you've not seen the greatest match ever? I know it's a few weeks ago, but we've never no. had a chance to mention it. No, 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 no. no. Oh, was it like watch 45 it? minutes? Yeah, Edge has been defending it on Twitter today. Oh, no, I think he did an interview, actually, where he was defending it, um, saying that he, he'd put the work in. People complain that Goldberg only goes a couple of minutes. We gave you 40 minutes. And to be fair, to him he injured himself in the process as well so i kind of get him being a bit bitter on the feedback um to be honest Look, ben, I, oh go on. do, do you know what goes 45 minutes what one of these ramsey programs <laughs> perfect what am i gonna watch a, a, a rehearsed match where they did different takes where everything again is unorganic and overproduced where they've advertised it in a way that make, just puts me off, like, anyway. Or do I want to watch Gordon Ramsay kicking some arse and then, you know, becoming best friends with these great people who run these restaurants at the end of it and see some great food on screen and getting some good food ideas? I'd go with that one. Ah, you make a fair point, to be honest. <laughs> I, I'll be honest, though, I, I actually did like the match. I, I gave it 3.75, which is, you know, for arena for empty arena wrestling, that's a pretty good, good rating. Um, I know there were people who... Rated it much higher on, on Grapple. There were people... I don't think people thought it was the greatest match ever, but there were people who went five. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I know. I, to, I thought the work in it was good. It was It was just that. It was the... It was the camera cuts. It was the, you know, the fake crowd noise and the, you know, the fake thing was kind of cute, but still, you know, the, the overproduction of it all and the reshoots that apparently are what injured Edge anyway, uh, that kind of took it out of me. So it did feel like a, a weird one to even rate, to be honest, because it is, is it even a, is it even a match if you, if you're doing reshoots and, uh, and going back to it? I do wonder if we can like truly rate matches that are being edited against normal matches. Mm. Randy and Edge have pulled that off in any way in front of a live crowd live mm. audience like one take I don't think so it's a one take business isn't mm. it flaws and all and if you're not doing that then it does become something else and I agree like you kind of have a separate genre and now we have cinematic wrestling but the idea of kind of and I've always gotten editing for TV that's that's just a natural thing that kind of happens shaving off a few minutes here and there but kind of doing this when you're kind of charging money for it, I mean, that's that seems like like ultimately you're you're kind of you can edit it as much as you want, but as we've seen, it doesn't really make it perfect. I didn't watch this match because I think like Joe, forty five minutes, I just went. I Randy Orton at the best of times of the peak of his career, I had zero interest in. At this stage, I'm like. And after that WrestleMania experience, I thought, I am burnt. No way. Any excuse not to. <laughs> to be honest, like it was the most I've enjoyed Randy in a while. But, I mean, it, that's still not saying much. It did. I was just looking at Grapple, and it has mm. got an average of four stars on Grapple. So, you know, people people did enjoy it. But, yeah, I'm, mm. I'm not it's going near five. 
Randy's doing his best work right now, which basically just means he must really like Edge as a mm. person. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't usually work like that. He did have great matches with Christian back in the day as well. If I say back in the day, what was it? Eight, nine years ago? I remember they had a really good series of matches that I thought was like the highlight of Orton's career. So I think, yeah, maybe he's quite close to the two of them. I think for me, 45 minutes, if I give it to a wrestling match, I'm wanting like four and a half star type stuff. I'm wanting like, that's a big investment is 45 minutes for a wrestling match. Mm. And I think about 45 minute matches and instinctively, I think of, I say instinctively, not really instincts straight away. I think of Akada versus Omega and, you know, is Orton and edge going to come near the, the standard of, of that? And no, ultimately they really aren't, are they? So yeah, if I'm investing time, I want results and it sounds like it was fine. But it would be like investing three hours. Like, you know, I'm trying to think of a film I've watched that's like three hours long and it's shite. Um, the Postman with Kevin Costner. I never actually saw that. Apparently it's a right mess, right? I've never seen it. Yeah, either. it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a Waterworld man myself. I think that's a flawed classic, <laughs> personally. Flawed is right. The Thieves Girl. What's that, Steph? I'm a Robin Hood Prince of Thieves Girl. We're talking Costner. Huh? Costner's... American Robin Hood is just cinematic gold. Personally, I'm more of a JFK man. I think that's that's Costner's absolute best. Dances with Wolves. I think I, I've watched about 40 minutes and was like, how did this beat Goodfellas for the Oscar? This is an absolute <laughs> crime. How did he beat Scorsese for the best director Oscar as well? This is like daylight robbery. Yeah. Like, in its kind of worse form, but yeah, I, I, I'm. I need if I'm putting the time in, I want results from it. Basically, it'd be like putting a load of time into something you're doing in a workplace. I don't know, you, Steph. For you, you're writing a big article. JP, for me or you, we're planning a a whole. Um, I don't know term of lessons that are going to be great and then the results are fucking shit. Like <laughs> I want rewards from it. Basically, fair. Oh well, so yeah, we were going to be sold on it, and yeah, Edge's uh, defensiveness has uh, changed my mind on uh, on greatest match ever. But you know, it's uh, I understand that he's precious. He said, "Did you did you imagine this, Joe? Your hero Edge would return, and he'd come back, and he'd have his Rumble spot, and then he'd have that terrible Mania match, and then he'd have this greatest match ever, and then he'd be injured again. Like if I was yeah, him, I, I just wouldn't come back. I, I'd just be done. Yeah, I did." <laughs> as, as soon as he hugged Randy Orton in the Royal Rumble, I remember turning to JP and going, "Oh God, they're doing it in Mania, aren't they?" Mm. And here we are. What six, seven months later, here we are. So now nah, it was predictable from the moment him and him and Orton locked eyes in that Royal Rumble match. Yeah, yeah. Sad to say, wish he'd gone uh, gone with Big Tone maybe, and uh, and and saw that uh, that AEW interest out there. I don't know. I just can't imagine Edge in AEW. It's it's one of them where I sort of think he, to me he's a WWE lifer. I think mm. if Jericho wasn't there, he could maybe have slotted into a similarish role. I think that'd be my problem having both of them jamming up the top of the card. Like you couldn't really justify them both. I don't think. I love Edge, but I think Jericho gets it more, and mm. I think Jericho understands how to adapt and has adapted over his whole career. Whereas Edge was very good at doing what he did and very good at portraying the characters he portrayed. But you think of Edge between, say, like 2005 and then like 2011, and there wasn't a lot of kind of recreation or kind of adapting to kind of circumstance. It was basically the same character the whole way through. Mm. Whereas Jericho's made a career on adapting, understanding what 
what current trends are and understanding how to get over with modern crowds. And I don't know if Edge is quite as smart as Jericho in that regard. So I don't know if it would have gone quite the same way. I, who knows? Mm, still better than this is probably what I'd say. Um, what, what other, I've got a couple, a couple of other WWE news notes just while we're catching up or... You know, based on the uh, the speaking out conversation we uh, we had on Thursday, uh, that day WWE they released Joel Allen and Chris Roberts. I think we we knew that at time of recording. Joe Coffey was then subsequently suspended. Um, are we surprised there's not been more action? Are we surprised like the, the, there hasn't been more formal? You know, there's been nothing about Jordan Devlin. Um, there are allegations about other NXT UK wrestlers, Wolfgang being among them. Um, the Matt Riddle stuff hasn't seemed to have gone anywhere. Should we be surprised? I know, that, Steph, there was that um, there was an NXT UK meeting, wasn't there, um, last week as well? Did, did we hear anything coming out of that? I don't think anything concrete came out, out of that, really. No, I think they've really... I think they feel like they've done all they can right now. Mm. Like, I think the I don't know what's happening with the Devlin situation, but there's obviously something there that's making them not want to take action or address it. But mm. um, yeah, I think they've basically like covered their backs when they can. The Matt Riddle thing, I don't know. I, I don't think that's, I don't think anything's going to happen there. Mm. I think he'd be off TV if they thought it was going to go anywhere. Mm. And I just think that, Matt Riddle is someone that's just going to continue and we're all just going to have it in the back of our heads, aren't we, when we see him? Yeah, that's it. It makes it weird yeah. and awkward to watch him, doesn't it? Not that that's the most important thing, but it is part of it, isn't it? I think that's it. I think that we're not going to... I think because he, you know, allegedly declared it to them earlier on and they probably think they've already investigated, it's dealt with, there's no new information to their mind... Yeah, that feels like one that's going to get brushed under the carpet. A bit like the the devil and stuff. Maybe there's legal action there that's maybe a reason you haven't heard anything. Or like the, the Velveteen Dream one. That's another one like that. That story's been out in the open for a while now, and they've still not taken any action on that. It does seem, but yeah, it's interesting that the cases they do take action on and the ones where it almost feels like they're, they're willing to, to weather the storm. Dream, I, I, can't, uh, I can't see Dream continuing. I think I hope not. Um, yeah, I I I can't. I think Dream's done, and they're just waiting for the time to release him. I mm. think he just had that car accident thing. I think that kind of shifted the news on him. But I yeah, I think he's probably done. I can't see him continuing with a career in mm. WWE, and I don't think he. Um, how can I say this? I don't think he's. They would think that he's worth weathering a storm for, really. Right. Mm. I think he was like a bit of a flash in the pan a couple of years ago, NXT type guy that I don't think they're going to take any risks on, really. Mm. He's not like a game changer. Yeah. Is this an argument, JP, for like keeping the pressure on? I know you've been vocal about this, like the. You know, yeah. the Devlin stuff, the Wolfgang stuff, the Riddle stuff to, to maybe force the hand to maybe act um, and not let them off the hook. You see, it's, it, it gets to the point of what's going on behind the scenes and what are the things that we're not kind of privy to and mm. whether that ends up influencing legal action as well. Mm. So it's a kind of very, very kind of messy game where you kind of think it, it becomes very difficult once it goes down that path about things that are then made public in, in terms of public statements. I suspect with WWE, the thing they're always going to be referring back to is that statement they gave 
where they were very careful about how they said that if there was irrefutable evidence at that point, they would let they would let people go. Mm. And I think they're going to be sticking to that and kind of not and that will be their policy and not deviate from it. Mm. You know that there's a vetting process and there's a vetting process that they that they go through. Um, how influential it is in terms of whether or not you sign someone, you don't know. Do you do they was there a point in time where they would have taken people on knowing full well that there were stories like this going on in the background? If that comes up now, like because at that point in time, they just would have been thinking in terms of trying to stop them going to New Japan or AEW, you know, because that's been the focus of kind of the stockpiling. Mm. How thorough and rigorous has that process really been given the sheer amount of people that they actually employ? Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's it becomes a case where I really and at times when there's no news, it can feel like, oh, people are kind of letting it go and just getting back to watching wrestling and just commenting on wrestling. Mm. And I, I mean, I know, and I've spoken with Joe about this, like my kind of feeling towards it at the minute, when it comes to Brit rest in particular, it's going to take a hell of a lot. And obviously I'm kind of forgetting about the global pandemic. It'll take a hell of a lot to kind of get me in there anyway. Mm. So it isn't something, I think the idea of maybe people not saying much is an idea of kind of watching it and that, those people who kind of think we'll be quiet for a few weeks and everything will go back to normal and there'll be a whole series of apologies and we'll make things better and that'll be it. Mm. I, I don't see that kind of stuff actually washing at all with people mm. when it comes out. It, they may just not being loud about it, but then there were also points that when speaking out had started, um, the points of saying, actually, this is now gone down other channels. We kind of need, we're not going to be commenting on this anymore. And so it's, but it's very difficult in all the noise of social media to perhaps pick up on those. And do you know what I mean? Mm, totally. Yeah. And I think you're right. There's going to be a lot of people waiting out this storm thinking, I'll, mm. po I'll poke my head out in a few months. You know, people who've gone quiet on social media are usually quite active on social media. Um, and just generally people who've been implicated thinking, I can wait this out. I can, I can see what happens and I think you find the big companies are kind of doing that too AEW even you know there were allegations about Justin Roberts we're going to talk about Fighter Fest late, later mm. he still stood there in the ring he's still part of AEW um, no notice on, on what they're doing there uh, I do think that's where yeah, public pressure comes in um, to, to make sure this story doesn't go away I think as much as anything um, but I suppose uh, on, an, on another WWE note uh, I was going to mention as well uh, Evolver's dead WWE bought it does anyone care, Joe? Big memories of Evolve. No, uh, dead, <laughs> dead crowds, uh, barely kind of full. Venues, Terrible venues, you always really told me. badly set up venues. Um, real talent that was kind of wasted and didn't feel hot in a dead environment uh, mm. because they just didn't understand how to harness momentum with that talent. No, uh, good riddance to it. What a what a shit promotion. No buzz. How long was it around for? Like 10 years? Mm. Yeah. yeah. You think of, think of that as a promotion. Think about the talents who came through there. Could you name an Evolve rivalry? I couldn't think one off the top of my head. Catch point All versus... Yeah. <laughs> they were just a thing. They yeah. were just a thing. Yeah. yeah. You were, as you think about, I don't know. It was their NWO. They just ran it into the fucking ground. Oh, that's an insult to the NWO, mate. That's an insult to the NWO 2000. That's what it's meant to be a rip-off. Uh, the NWO that's what WWE no. should be that's one thing they've been getting right they've been getting Thatcher right to be fair to them on TV bring bring back catch points get Stokely in that could work 
No? Okay. I'll fancy Papa Bayon. I never, I, I never cared enough about anything going on in Evolve. I used oh, to Mania weekends, JP. Come on, at least the, we, we were into ju- that. The, the, yeah, there was, and I think there was, there was times I remember seeing Joe, like sat quite near the camera side, and EC3 sort of turned up. I want to say it was an evil. That was set. once. That yeah. was once about four years ago. Yeah, and I, I, I've always got kind of a happy memory of it for some bizarre reason. <laughs> well, Outside me of sat it, on my own on a stage. <laughs> Yeah, because it was just very weird. Four years ago. Yeah, and you telling me how awful it was there, like in terms uh, of the venue. Timothy Thatcher drew Gulak half an hour in the hottest venue I've ever watched a wrestling match in. It was bad. Hotter it, than Walthamstow. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was it, but, mate, on a summer's day. It was It was like, imagine if you were inside, you're in Do the Right Fig and you were feeling that heat. That's how hot Brooklyn was that day, I tell you. And we were near Bedford Stuyvesant as well, so it was bad. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've got some positive mem- memories of Evolve. Like, uh, the Mania the weekend. It's the Mania weekends mainly, though, Joe, because like, they, they kind of, you know, obviously Ring of Honor under Gabe were the first company to, to tailgate WWE and run shows, and then Evolve were the first to kind of live stream it and start what me and JP started up doing the Mania. Uh, right. Live stream it badly. Live yeah. stream it very badly. I feel, I feel like I'm still owed several pay-per-views by Gabe with that that old make good business where like the, the st- every year the stream had shit the bed, you'd complain and then they'd come back and give you a free pay-per-view that you'd never use. Like I'm sure I've got like 30 of them sat there um, that I don't think I'll ever be able to use on WWN Live. But, you know, I've got fun memories of some of the big matches, like, the, you know, that Zack Ospreay match they had that Mania weekend one year. Um, that's about it, though. We're not, we're not going to be the... I don't know. Can you help us, Steph? We're not going to be the Evolve Loving Fest. I think Joe sat on the stage is maybe the fondest memory we've got as a podcast, and I'm sure there are Dragon Gate <laughs> USA fans sat out listening to this podcast. They'll be fuming right now. Can you help us in any way? Uh, no, I think WWE just... Uh took what they wanted from Evolve and mm. <laughs> and that was it. I think Gabe probably owes more people than you money. Yeah. So it's a bit of a sad, sad ending mm. to a not very noteworthy promotion, a promotion where the names were bigger than the promotion itself. So Yeah, yeah that's it. I, I think in a lot of ways it was a, a stepping stone for a lot of people to do DB. It just wasn't a very exciting stepping stone to WWE um, is the problem. Um, but yeah, I think that is literally the story that like Mania weekend this year with you know everything Mania being cancelled, I think they owed money to, to people who bought tickets and I think that's really what sunk them. And yeah, I think the story is they were, they were looking to sell and Similar to Progress ICW, which we believe there's a a clause there with them too. WWE stepped in and bought them. Um, but yeah, I don't think uh, anyone in this podcast now is going to be uh, rushing to the network to watch those classic Evolve shows, like those first 20 year show shows where the, the wrestlers didn't even have music and it was boots and trunks and it was Davey Richards. Actually, Joe, I can see why you didn't like Evolve. Um, oh, so bad. Just, <laughs> oh. Uh, oh well R.I.P. Evolve there's our tribute to Evolve R.I.P. <laughs> um, uh, I know I know oh well uh, but moving on uh, I suppose uh, one of the main reasons we want to have you on Steph we did want to talk uh, do a bit of catch up with uh, with New Japan um, and talk the, the New Japan Cup we've obviously got Dominion coming up this weekend as well as the uh, the final of the New Japan Cup 
Uh, I've got to say, we were all very excited when, when New Japan returned, and I am still very excited for Dominion this weekend for the return of, of live crowds, um, even you know at one-third capacity. I think that's still going to be a, a much better atmosphere than, a, than anything we've witnessed so far. Uh, I know you've been uh, covering the tournament, so um, I'm guessing you've seen all of it. I've kind of, I think the rest of us are all in the same boat, zoned in and out, uh, and tried to pick up. To be honest, it's it's definitely been one where I've cherry picked, and it's definitely been one where I've maybe added on in the background and maybe struggled to. It struggled to hold my attention at points um, with the lack of crowd. Although I think they've done as good a, a decent job of it, having like the the live the live uh, commentary there being very loud and the wrestlers making a bit more noise than normal to to give it a bit of atmosphere. Um, I don't know if you, have you enjoyed it overall as a, as a tournament, uh, you know, for, for covering it uh, in general and, uh, and and trying to to keep up with uh, with live New Japan being back. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. But maybe I just have a total New Japan bias. But uh, I think it's been a great tournament. I think it really has. And I don't think the no crowds have taken anything away from it. It's okay. absolutely... It's the only wrestling I've watched where I don't kind of notice the situation. And I think that is just down to the New Japan style. And mm. uh, um, I don't even mind the not having live English commentary either. Like that that hasn't affected it for me at all but i think it's been a really good tournament i think they've made a really good comeback and there's been some really great matches in there and i'm just happy they're back to be honest i missed them so i missed them so much it just mm. it just wasn't the same without having new japan to watch yeah but do you feel like as many people do you think people have been into it as much as you would have thought i, I think that's it i think people were very excited at the start and i think people have maybe had a bit of fatigue from from the the empty arena stuff but i'll be honest you know it's a bit like me that when when there's been the big recommended matches that's where my interest is spiked and if i'm honest with myself new japan cup's not usually my favorite period of the year anyway and i think that's probably the way i would have watched it anyway if it was in front of crowds uh, and live um yeah Mm. don't don't get me wrong I've i've been i've been glad that it's back and it's been a good distraction, at least, to everything that's happened in, in our side of the world. Um, but I don't know. I, I'd probably say that my, I don't know, but I, I'm maybe a bit lower on it than yourself. Have you been watching a lot of it, JP? Have you been keeping up to date with it or just the big stuff? Well, really, I'm, and do you know what? I'm not even up to the sort of semi, um, the uh, all of the quarterfinals yet and, the, oh, and wow. the semifinals and stuff. So, yeah, I've I've got a way to go. Yeah, I managed to fit in Lions Break Collision instead. Um, <laughs> God, generally, did. I, I, I did. <laughs> of course, as Young Lion correspondent, right? Yes, Let me get the, that in there. That's rebranded the role, mate. Yeah. From an unwanted uh, <laughs> reference from you, you bastard. Um, <laughs> I mean, Jasmine. I, yeah, I it was would, me too. To be I, I would agree in terms of the style that it works for the empty um, yeah. arenas. Um, and on the whole, I think it's, and I actually think it might come down to a kind of training because I think there's a lot of the idea of how wrestlers are trained possibly within the US and the UK. There's always one eye on the audience and trying to appeal to them. Whereas obviously if you're coming through a dojo system, that's not the case. There's a kind of technique. And I think then as a result, once they do the excursion, they're a lot more adaptable than at that stage. Mm. So, what you have here is a series of wrestlers. And I think considering they weren't able to bring any talent from outside Japan and all the kind of constraints around it. And the fact that 
this is only ever a tournament to kind of dip in and out of. The way they've presented it, the fact that it's done in stages, which means you can kind of appreciate it and and watch it. The fact that the wrestlers um, appear to be kind of enjoying that environment as well. Um, I've enjoyed that the juniors have got, like, don't get me wrong, they're not, not like they've won every match, but the juniors on the whole have gotten much more of a shine than perhaps I thought they would do. Yeah. Um, and I think there is a much bigger Hiromu story that kind of comes out of it. And him winning this isn't, for me, necessarily the right option to go. But you can see that Ghetto's thinking. And you can see that he's being kind of positioned for for that kind of big star. Just, you know, because he's a sheer force of nature. Have you not seen spoilers then, JP? Oh, I know he's out. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking as if, like, he was, like, like oh, no. win it. I, I, and I don't think he should. Because I think that the the story around that, I mean, a it would be it would have been a terrible waste for Dominion a show, you know, because that would be a big match him and Naito that would feel like a sort of special event. Mm. But I think the thing with Hiromu and I know uh, Steph, you could probably talk a lot more to this, but there's something about like obviously there's a story and a narrative for every wrestler, but I think with Hiromu what you have here is the fact you've got the two year neck injury and the comeback as well. So there's a real like emotional connection as well between him and the fan base. And that's the kind of stuff that seems to really catch fire. Now, a lot of the stuff may happen in Japan and not necessarily overseas, but he appeared, you could see him just the way he was kind of mixing in different types of matches. He seemed like, like the tournament was, even though he was not going to win it, he very much comes out the person that I'm kind of thinking of. I like, I'll disagree and say like, I, I wanted Hiromu to win. Me too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted him to win because I thought he was the perfect person to give this victory to because A, of the, for the injury that he had, um, B, just like his personality, he's just like such a, he just brings so much happiness that I just felt with everything we've been through of all the people to make win Hiromu. But then as well, you know, the match with Naito is a big match, but it is the match they were going to give away on the anniversary show anyway. Mm. So I just felt like if there was a time for for Gato to do something more unexpected and let like a junior win a tournament, it would have been this time because this is not like a normal New Japan Cup, really. Mm. Like this is taking place under like weird circumstances where we've all had a reset and everything's different. Like there's no I mean, there's no Jay White in the tournament. You know, everything's every everything's different. But, <laughs> Sorry, here we go. Say that, or? <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, it's been. I like. I haven't actually, um, like, really missed him in a way, and that's no says it all. That's <laughs> like big on him, but I've just been like, I, I don't know. I I just think they've done such a great job that I. The only thing I feel like, um, Gato just like feels so out of place. Like he's just. You know, like he had his one terrible match, and then he's just you know, coming out during other people's matches and wearing his like full like Jay White gear. I mean, he just seems like a really sad man that misses um, his partner. But <laughs> but yeah, I did I did really want Hiromu to win, but I do think that um, I, I think they're going to give it to Evil really because he's just been like. Um, he's been different to usual in this tournament. He's actually been a bit more exciting, just being going around like hitting guys in the dick. 
<laughs> he's found his calling finally. Um, well, no. he's finally lived up to his name. Like, all, like that match with Sonata, like he was just an absolute just bastard in it. And I thought, yeah, okay, evil, like, you know, go for it. And I think um, Okada and Naito at, at Dominion, it's kind of an, an easy one to do. Um, but with evil, I think, like, they kind of have a built-in storyline anyway with them mm-hmm. both being LIJ. LIJ is always a bit like there's always a bit of tension there between all of them anyway. So mm-hmm. why not just go for that Dominion? See, that's kind of my thought. The reason why I wanted Hiromu to win because it's evil instead. Like I'd rather just tell that story with Hiromu and, and get the like you said the Hiromu Naito match that we were promised and and didn't get. Um, yeah, I've seen. To be honest, you're not the only one. I've seen. I've seen people who have been a lot more interested in evil in this tournament because of the you know he's doing more cheating in his matches and he's being a lot more heelish but like of the you know me cherry picking of the matches i've seen this weekend like i, I you know the evil sonata <laughs> match like I, I tried i tried so many times to watch that match like i've seen that match i've seen that match two and a half times at each time I just couldn't force my brain to take it in that's how uninterested I am in Evil and Sonata um, so I mean, for, for me they, they oh, give you a lot of spots I suppose so yeah. but, but for me like that is the problem like that, that's why I would. I just feel like it's a, such a much more interesting story if Hiromu's gonna get as far as having the match with Okada like I would have loved to have seen, seen him going the whole way. Maybe it's asking too much for them to to put a junior like Hiromu over Okada. You know, maybe that's wishful thinking. Maybe you'd probably need the the bracket to be laid out a bit differently. G one, take him to the final. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, uh, sorry, yeah, go on. Yeah, I was just gonna say, but yeah, he's he's been for me the absolute highlight of the tournament. Like it's it's no surprise. I, I thought the Okada match was. A little bit disappointing. I feel like Okada's got a, a certain pace that works in front of a crowd that maybe doesn't work 100% in the empty arena environment, but also maybe he's working half a step slower because it's in the empty arena environment. But I did think that his match with uh, Hiromu's match with Ishii, which at the moment Gareth put out a, 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 a graphic today of the, the, uh, the top 10 matches of the tournament, and it is number one, and it has been the, the most. Uh, Highly regarded one, average of four point three one uh, at the moment on Grapple Art, which kind of tells you with it being empty arena what the what the ceiling is. Uh, I went four point five on that, so I'm probably even more the high man. Um, but I did have the Okada match uh, quite a fair bit behind it, um, but still an incredible tournament for Roma. Really, if we're talking about him and having you know two of the uh, the best matches of the tournament, I think the yeah, the Okada match was was number four as well. So he kind of has been the man in this tournament. Because I've not watched that much of this Mm. um, because the obvious occurred and put me off watching wrestling for the longest time. Mm. Uh, So I managed to watch a little bit of um, what what did I watch? I was really excited for the New Japan Cup to come back. Really excited. And then uh, the sexual abuse stuff seemed to break around the time this came back. So I think on the day it all broke, I watched um, Ishii Desperado, which I love, but also talking Uh, to Hiromu. Hiromu Honma, and I thought that was the best Honma match like since the injury. Like I thought that match was awesome. Like I kind of couldn't believe how good it was, mm. and I was super pumped to watch this New Japan Cup after watching that. And then the shite 
happened or came out and it completely put me off watching wrestling soured me on wrestling for uh, yeah good mm. couple of weeks and kind of still feeling it now to be honest with you um but Hiromu looks super motivated as well like super motivated to be in there with a a different uh, set of talents because i think if you're in that junior division as well you're kind of constrained to who you work with mm. and you kind of end up working a lot of the same guys over and over and over and it feels like it's a new lease of life, a new freedom, actually getting to work some of these guys. Like that Ishii match, I'm really excited to actually go and watch. But I've been waiting until I'm in the in the right mood because I don't want to. I don't want it to be one of those matches I watch in the wrong mood. But I'm not in the wrestling kind of frame of mind, and it doesn't go the way that I wanted to go in terms of my enjoyment of it. Mm. But what I'll say is, in that first round, he looked awesome. But I also think there are there are guys whose style just fundamentally works a bit better in an empty arena like that Akada ghetto match I tried to watch oh. and was like oh my god this is bad like it was just so so bad but like a Hiromu and Ishii their styles in terms of what they do and in terms of their facial expressions and their kind of characters and the way they hit seems to work so much better in that setting. Nagata yeah. Suzuki I watched, I thought that was absolutely awesome. Two 52-year-old blokes just beating the shit out of each other. And you know that's the exact match they'd have had in front of, the, in front of a crowd as well. Mm. There was no difference there, but it didn't feel like it lost that much for not being in front of a crowd either. So yeah. I just think it depends on, on the wrestler, basically. Akada, Tanahashi, I think when you're that style of main eventer, and you play off the crowd as much as they do, you're going to lose something in this setting. But I think if Akada ends up in the final against Naito, that is a great match to come back with if you've got crowds back. Is it too early to go back with that match? Possibly. But we're in extraordinary times, I suppose. And, you know, WWE PR talk about rewarding fans and giving them a little bit of an escape. Akada Naito in front of fans, that would be a proper escape, a rematch of the Tokyo Dome main event, you know, a match that was hyped for years. That is a match I'd want to see. Akada, uh, sorry, Naito Evil, I just wouldn't be that excited for that, if I'm honest with you. Mm. Whereas Akada Naito, if I'm going to be watching wrestling, I'm there. I'm absolutely there. Uh, I, I do worry, I do, maybe worry is the wrong way, but I do wonder whether they're going to... Either the, the, the logic side, they're going to be put our best foot forward and do Okada Naito now, you know, in the, the first big show back, or that match is too big, let's hold off and do it later on. Um, that's why I'm probably, my mind is creeping towards them, going towards evil. Um, and they always give the New Japan Cup to to someone like that, don't they, quite mm, often? They always give it yeah. to that kind of like, yeah, like not, that. not sort of B talent, but kind of like A minus talent, if anything. Yeah, totally. That, that's why every year we all like hope and pray it's going to be Ishii, and it's never Ishii. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but I would say, Joe, like you should 100% check out the, the Hiromo Ishii match. Like, you'll love it. Like, oh, it no, is, I will. I will. It's a, I absolutely will. It's a real, it's one of those matches where it's like a, it's a real styles clash. It's a real, like, Ishii, the story's kind of almost Ishii not wanting to register, like this new, new style flippy guy in Hiromo and his offense, but then eventually getting broken down for it and almost having to sell for him. It's like, it's a clash of style in the best way. Like, I absolutely loved it. I think you were a fan of it as well, Steph. Yeah, Ishii is just like totally like an immovable object at the beginning. Mm. Uh, uh, it, it was so good. I, Ishii was like proper stone pitbull. Hiromu was like 
little like yappy puppy like mm. doing everything you could to knock him over it was so even though much. he's bigger though like that's the thing like you don't yeah. you don't but notice him face to face it's like yeah he's <laughs> a small lad like you, you don't notice it because of the way he's stocky and he wears like the weightlifting belt and the way he carries himself like you, you're kind of forgiven and it works with the pitbull character doesn't it but he is he he's a very small blow i always think back to the um I mean, I don't really want to mention his name, but the promo that uh, Jay White did where he called Ishii a little French bulldog that scurries around. Mm. And that, that is how I think of Ishii. And anytime I mention him to my mom, that's literally what she comes back with. Do you mean the little French bulldog one? Like, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, on the New Japan Cup, like if it's shown us anything, it's that Hiromu has like unlimited potential outside of the juniors and hopefully he'll be allowed to realize that because I also think he would be an extremely good uh face of the company to Mm. bring in um other people he's got really great appeal for young people Mm. women um the kind of people that you want to see to widen that new japan audience Sure. Yeah, he's the future. I think. I think that's what we've learned, and I think the fact that and okay, he's adapted his style. Mm, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. JP. Yeah. He's, he's he's moving from that being a junior thing, isn't he? To you can see that the cogs are turning already. Yeah, and I was going to say just to point out, and I agree with what, what's been said about the the Ishii match as well. But um, but it was part of the fascination was for me really in that ending sequence is him trying to hit his finishers, them looking kind of scrappy, but they should do because mm. Ishii's a bigger man and what he's used to. So you can see the kind of trials and tribulations through the match as well. Um, I don't know if we've mentioned the Yano match at all. Oh, the, which the, was the left. Yeah. Which was his night off, but in fairness, he's earned that night off. That, um, well, I mean, what did you think of the ending to that match? Because I thought the ending, like I watched it, I laughed, I like, recorded to send to my friend because i enjoyed it so much and then i just thought if they if this had happened in wwe i'd I'd say it was really stupid because i have a very low tolerance for um like a zany or stupid stuff in wrestling but for some reason that that to me just worked I, i thought it was pretty well done yeah and it was as yano matches should be completely different from everything else um i i i mean i've got the image of the way that yota suji has to jump into the ring at the same time as hiromu in order to beat the count um but it was the way that i suppose hiromu turns up in the hard hat and immediately you kind of know what you're going to get from that point and that's something that i kind of enjoyed that whereas with wwe there'd be someone on the outside going no whereas here you trust their instincts. You trust Hiromi's instincts for, for comedy anyway, because he seems to have sort of good natural com- comedy timing. Yeah. Um, whilst at the same time, Yano's comic instincts are, are just exceptional. And he knows his role, and he knows it better than kind of anyone else. And he delivers on it. And they're creative in the use of Kurikan as well. Mm. And I'd say venue-wise as well, I really like that TV Asahi set that they had, mm. like with the Japanese commentators. Because it was quite funny going to Kurokan because I watched some of the English commentary. And you can just hear the Japanese commentators during this Hiromu Ishii <laughs> match just losing their shit throughout. And you just hear screams um, coming from across the arena. Um, and, and that kind of tells you how, 
how he, I mean, to the point where Kevin Kelly had to kind of acknowledge who these people were, were screaming because you're hearing that there's no fans. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, overall, I think it's as much of a, a success as you could kind of expect it to be. Yeah. It's just kind of wet our appetite, hasn't it, for, for this weekend? Like, I can't wait to get up early on Saturday, get up early on Sunday, get myself a Greg's breakfast. And uh, and settle yourself down. There's no there's no um, Galuras of Destiny match, unfortunately, to do that. But I am 100% finding a moment. Maybe it's when Dookie's in the ring or something to go and do Yujiro. that. Yujiro. Yeah, Yujiro. Master, Master Watto. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just... <laughs> but I'm just hyped Not for good. that. Oh, awful. Really bad. Uh, but even with that, I'm just hyped because it's a bit of normality, isn't it? It's a prop. It's going to be proper New Japan shows in front of a crowd on a weekend. Like I can't wait at all. Um, yeah. But I was going to say, like, of the there isn't a huge amount of preview over the two nights. There's a lot of the you know the tags you would normally get. But I do think one that one that kind of sticks out. You know, we got Okada the Evil um, for the final on day one, and then obviously day two the winner facing Naito. But I, for me, I think the big match uh, in there. And I know there's going to be other stuff announced as well. Shingo show again for the Never Title. Um, yeah. They are, you know, we've I mentioned the the grap the top ten matches and in, in grapple for the tournament, which you can actually find yourself. I'll, Gareth uh, taught me a lesson today. Of, uh, I was asking him for the uh, the grapple stats on this tournament, and he was like, "Just log in and use the filter, mate." I was like, "Oh yeah, I do host the grapple podcast. I should probably know how to do that." Um, you can log in and you can do a filter by New Japan Cup and see what the best matches are. Can and, you? Uh, I didn't yeah. know this. There you go. <laughs> the teaching Gareth's going to be fuming that none of us know this i did know it i just forgot it was my defense because uh, i thought before like oh that'd be an awesome feature like because <laughs> i often decide on what matches to watch by looking at if i'm a bit behind by looking at like collated ratings we just go through like individual shows mm. or days but useful i'm gonna have this to learn like how a, to use that filter by year like as well terrible Joe. this is like a terrible promo for the app <laughs> like a really like he just said, "Oh, do you fancy doing a little promo halfway through?" And instead, what we did is kind of pointed out a feature that's always been there. This I knew it was there. This way it doesn't pay us. Quiet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll do a series of video tutorials where I talk people through how to how to do this when yeah. I when I finally work it out. So you know, I'll make up for it in some way. But Good yeah, luck. that's a great feature. You know, I'm going to have to learn how to use that. <laughs> it is, it is, and I have I used it last year for the you know we were doing our top ten matches of the year. It was useful for that. It's useful for the Jamesy show as well. But yeah, if you do if you hit that filter, the number two matches is Show and Shingo, which is one we haven't mentioned yet, and the other the rematching that at Dominion. Um, that's what I went for on that one. Um, I wasn't quite as taken with it as I was Hiromu and Ishii. Like the grapple average, those four point two four, and I feel like with a live crowd there, these two are just going to kill it. Like how good has Shingo oh, yeah. been in, in, in New Japan, and how good is Show looking at this this stage in his career? And also their match last year that they had in the best of the Super Juniors tournament. Yeah, of tournament. course, I forgot, yeah, yeah. My yeah. God, that was one of the most underrated matches of last year. I absolutely loved that match, and I mm. loved this rivalry. And this is one of the matches I have seen so far, and I thought it was a, I thought it was an excellent match. As far as empty arena matches go, I, yeah. I'm trying to think of a match that I would put on, on a par of it. Ishii Desperado and Suzuki... Um, Nagata would be the only other two that I've seen. I'm a bit behind on this, so I will be catching up. But mm. yeah, it wasn't anywhere close for me as good as their match last year. But I wouldn't expect it to be without a crowd there because with show, there is an organic emotion and you're sort of playing off that connection with the crowd and the crowd seeing this young guy kind of rise up 
if anything, and mm. finally get that big win in front of a crowd. Um, so, yeah, that Dominion match is one that I'm properly looking forward to um, because if they can deliver on the level of what they did last year, to me, that will announce that wrestling is properly back if they're able to do that. But we'll see. We'll see. Mm. Show us the touch of the Tanahashis about him. Maybe that's wow. That's high praise. Very high. Uh, praise, that's the indeed. highest praise, JP. I there is something there, and I suppose in some way we've mentioned it about Hiromu, but I also look at this and just think of the the that kind of inherent crowd. It's the kind of drama and emotion that he gets, whilst at the same time being hard. Like the kicks that he's delivering throughout that match are brutal, and in some of the ways that was one of the kind of benefits of the empty arena for this new japan style is being able to kind of hear the contact so it adds that kind of authenticity to it but um and i know it's big big praise he like would he be as good as tanahashi there'll never be another tanahashi for but your ter- sake mate i'm hoping it's not a take as like andres d'alessandro as the new maradona <laughs> or something like that or or, no, or he's actually Steven a little Seagal bit as an ex-schwarzenegger well Shows oh, also he's got the remnants of um, that roast dinner as well in his system, hasn't he? <laughs> he's, he's, he's got he's got to be working out. Um, so that's probably set him back by at least a year. Um, yeah, I. It sounds it it does sound kind of crazy, but you know this is someone who really has something, and he's clearly much bigger than his tag partner. Like if you're talking about it, the uh, the only real comparison I can think of is the tag team. Um, it, it was it um, no limit with um, Naito and Yuji. No limit soldiers. No, no. <laughs> oh. with big swell. Master P. <laughs> big swell. The original yeah. big swell. Yeah, that was it. Um, no, Naito and Yuji wrote where you can just tell when it splits that there's you know who's the Marty Jannetty here, and in in this case, sadly, it's probably going it, to be Yo because Sho has potential as a single star. And Shingo's the perfect person to have in there. Mm. And they're getting value out of Shingo at this point. I would be gutted by the end of this New Japan run if we haven't seen a Shingo world title match. Just one. Mm. Yeah, I think it's coming. I do. Um, but yeah, yeah, again, hyped for it. Bit of normality back. Is everyone else getting up for it early Saturday morning? You headed to Greg's yourself, Steph? Or? Um, actually, to like take us back to the beginning, I'll probably head to Iceland and buy Greg's chicken... <clears throat> in iceland and cook them good myself good work good? i've never i've seen them in there but They're never done so it oh good okay see <laughs> i do like to have two i shouldn't say that i have two but i do have two chicken bakes during big uh, new japan events usually gotta treat so, yourself you're yeah. a big fan of chicken steph aren't you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i am yeah probably pretty much the only meat i eat nothing gets past jafe What's your favourite chicken-based restaurant or chicken-based food item, if anything? Is it the chicken bake? Um, My favourite chicken-based food item is a garlic chicken Kiev, and I do prefer the Iceland one. Uh, I can't think of my favourite chicken-based restaurant. I don't think you get enough chicken in Nando's, which I think is a controversial opinion. Really? Even if you go for like the half or the full chicken? Uh, like I think a whole chicken, really not chicken. Itchy restaurant, as far as like mm. chicken sides, whatever. I just, I'm not a big fan, but uh, yeah, I love some chicken. <laughs> some chicken. <laughs> what some what about chicken. like Roosters Perry Perry? You ever been down there? <laughs> no, I've not been to any of the Nando's uh, knockoff style restaurants. <laughs> 
Ah, I love a good I, I would recommend one. checking out Roosters. Roosters aren't too bad, to be honest with you. That, yeah. It's all right. That used to be my my big thing when we go to Camden for the progress shows. Go to Fat Burger and get they did some great buffalo wings. That'd be my spot for uh, for chicken. Although it's a burger place, uh, I miss those yeah. days. I don't miss the sh- going to progress, but I do miss going to Fat Burger and, and meeting <laughs> up with Joe and JP at the bar at uh, at the Electric Ballroom. Those chicken wings were excellent. I've got. I will second that, Benno. They were. Good they time. were a fine wing. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but getting up for this one. I'm not at that point yet. I Fair think I'm enough. going to. Fr- I think I'm driving to Froome on Saturday anyway. So uh, that kind of puts pay to that one. Nah, fair enough. Well, you'll uh, catch up. I, I'm broken, so yeah, I'll be up at half six, seven o'clock on a Saturday morning because and Sunday morning because why not? Good lad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I suppose you can have the floor if you want, JP. Lions break. What happened? Any good? Tom Lawler turn up? I don't know. No, he's turning up in a couple of weeks. They oh, okay. did build it up. Um, no, so it, it's it's the simplest of shows. It started off with um, an interview with Carl Fredericks, who's no, no longer a young lion. He's graduated. Um, they had a 10-minute draw between Alex Coughlin and uh, what was his name? Um, Clark Connors. That was all right. Um, then, at, then after that, they had a couple of little promos, and then they had a decent tag between... Jeff Cobb and uh, Rocky Romero and Carl Fredericks and TJP. And it was very good, very solid wrestling from, you know, in terms of TJP, he knows what he's doing. Um, and at the same time, he's a, uh, a, you know, kind of a good hand. And it was absolutely fine. As 38 minutes of entertainment at the minute, and no listener will be able to hear it, Every other person has left the Skype chat that I'm on. As soon as I mentioned Lions Break Collision here. That's not true. Hey, I'm here too. Come on. There was one point where there was no one there. And I thought, (laughs) I'm fine with this. I'll take it as the personal insult it's meant to be. Um, No, but in all seriousness, 38 minutes. It it was the first thing I watched when I got back. So it was like the, the palate cleanser. Mm. And see how I felt about watching wrestling again, which to a certain degree, you know, I found myself getting more into Mm. Um, a little bit easier than I thought. But I definitely needed that break. And this was just something easy to get into. And you know what it says on the tin. And it's just going to be about kind of technical wrestling. I mean, as as young lions, they are very good and well developed. It's the character. But Cole Frederick's outfit is shit. I will say that. Tassels on his boots, fucking awful. I'm gonna look And he was inexplicably though. I did like this, just twatting Jeff Cobb every once in a while, just running into the corner. There was a good psychology within the tag match, but um, yeah, he needs to get rid of those boots. I don't know why it reminded me of Kerry Von Erich, Texas Tornado, and that's not someone you want to be role modelling. I'll put it that way. Did you never, as a kid, JP, dress up as Texas Tornado or the Ultimate Warrior? Put like, I remember, you know, those things that like. You could, people in the ground they used to cover the back door and they'd have like these like this tape like la- dangling from the ceiling do you know what I mean it was like the, the, I think I like, do yeah multicoloured to like keep flies out or I don't really know what it was for but I do remember you used to be walking into kitchens yeah that's it yeah but I remember cutting that up and turning it into like ultimate warrior tassels to, to wear always thought it was a good, tassels are always a good look now to know I hated warrior <laughs> always hated warrior hated warrior <laughs> the first time I saw it at Wrestlemania 6 
When I finally saw WrestleMania 5 and saw him getting pinned by Rick Rude, I was absolutely made up. Gutted when he lost to him at SummerSlam because Roddy Piper shows his ass, which doesn't really make sense, but that's WWE in the late 80s, WWF. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with all of that. Line Just off on a rant. War- Warrior, <laughs> shit. Absolute shit. Thought stuff. Was Kyle in a blue outfit? No, it was red. It was like red oh, and white. Because I have found on Twitter the guy that designed his costume oh. uh, saying how happy he was to design Carl's prototype costume and it took him a long time and he's very surprised that he used it for his new look. Mm. And people mm. are saying he did a great job. The red and white boots, trunks, tassels, love his gear. It goes well with his tattoos. So it looks like um, you're <laughs> in the but- <laughs> to be honest, though, from the pictures, uh, I'm not a fan. It's giving me vibes of, like, yeah, like Tatanka to, to maybe, and yeah. a bit of Ultimate Warrior as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, good, good luck to him. I, uh, you know, could be completely wrong. Other opinions are available. <laughs> not for me. Not something I'd be wearing. Put it that way. <laughs> people are like on a serious point people are very high on him aren't they like you can tell yeah. like the shibata influence new japan clearly love him yeah. he's going to be big future like uh big big star over there for sure mm. but yeah i'll definitely watch when tom lawler gets involved mm, yeah. yeah that's interesting that isn't it they've like they've uh they're bringing in tom lawler and being an mlw guy um I know he's yeah. got a contract with MLW as well, so they'll be working around that. Although I suppose... Isn't got... there a new relationship there, striker with MLW? I'm sure I read something about that the other day. Yeah, I think I there's think something there. I think there is, because Brian Pillman Jr. was in the crowd at that's Fighter right. Fest. Well, that's AEW, though, isn't it? Yeah. But I suspect that for MLW, they're not going to be in a position to also deny people work opportunities. I see what you mean, yeah. Elsewhere. And it actually is good for them. They're the kind of promotion that could do with a people mm. who've got a buzz around a few promotions. It doesn't harm them in any way to be kind of precious about stuff like that. Aren't I think MLW just... now on the zone as well, though? Yes, they are. And I think they're they're planning other stuff as well. But, I mean, they're not running mm. at the moment. And they're a promotion that does rely on the live attendance. Tom Lawler is a guy that needs a bigger stage. Totally. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. with his charisma, his personality, his promo mobility as well, he's got a unique style and his UFC pedigree. It amazes me. Like, what has that bloke done wrong to not get a contract yeah, offer from with uh, Brian Alvarez? I think is what he's doing. <laughs> I think that's it. That is yeah, a problem, yeah. yeah. And I'm not complaining because I'm a big no, fan. They have they have um, chemistry like our chemistry, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> Big influence on, on the show, if you ask me as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I would love to see Tom Lawler on a bigger stage. You know, the one time I've seen Tom Lawler wrestle live was in bloody PCW in Blackpool, in Blackpool hey. Tower. Like, And you saw him get you know, breakfast as well. We, I've recommended him a place to have a breakfast and he gave me a shout out on his podcast for my <laughs> breakfast recommendation. Is that we met him in Costa? He was going to eat in there and it's like, yeah, and we you sent got him money to, to burn of you, mate. I told him to go to the M&S Cafe and he got himself um, uh, poached eggs with hollandaise sauce and smoked salmon and was very happy about it and very happy for the recommendation. So, you know, come to me for taste, not you, JP, with your Iceland steaks. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's about time he was on a bigger stage, and I hope he gets onto proper New Japan at some point mm. because he's got something to offer and he's got something to add for sure. Totally, especially mm. if you're doing a US expansion. Mm. Yeah. another name. Are they still planning on that? Hmm. It's weird, isn't it? Because they haven't really got they've got the Ring of Honor relationship still, but you know they're working oh, with Tom Lawler and MLW. Honor, yeah. Right? Well, the other thing, like Anderson and Gallows, look like they're headed to Impact, but they're certainly going to New Japan too. Doesn't seem to be any boards to this stuff at this point, Steph. Yeah. yeah, I was surprised Anderson and Gallows going to Impact, but I guess if they turn up in New Japan as well. That'll be good. But mm. I don't know. I was when I heard that, I was like, seriously like they're going back. They're going to Impact. Hmm. And I can see FT, um, FTR as well turning up in New Japan at some point. Yeah. I can see that they've got, I don't know if it's an open-ended deal, but they're the kind of people who want to do that just to tick it off the bucket list, if yeah. nothing else. They do have an open-ended deal, but they, yeah, they absolutely would fit New Japan. That's totally what what they'd be up for. Mm. I think New Japan would, could, their the, well, tag wrestling in New Japan could finally become a thing if they go over there because I think they're only going to go over there if they know they've got guys they can work with and guys they can work with in a serious way where they can wrestle the matches they want to wrestle so that would be a great idea I do think with Ring of Honor though now you mentioned them Benno mm. I do wonder what the future holds for them like you look at the stuff around Marty at the moment and the investigation that's going into talent and then you think about Sinclair and the position that a lot of these media companies are going to be in after this pandemic and how this seems to just be going on and on and on in the US and like what is Ring of Honor for them kind of what, what's it doing at the moment it's not making money a tax write-off yeah, well yeah so to me I sort of wonder how much longer are Ring of Honor going to survive at this point are they going to look to sell them as an asset possibly you know is it the worst thing if they finally go away I know I'm talking about that from a really cynical standpoint again as I do most wrestling at this point in time but Ring of Honor to me have been on life support for so long at this point and that brand was dead over 10 years ago and I just wonder whether Ring of Honor actually ceasing to exist is what is needed for the kind of long-term health of the business because we might actually get that AEW New Japan relationship which seems like it is the ultimate kind of alternative from WWE if we were to get that relationship at some point in place. Mm. So is it just if it happened now obviously with Evolve going not that Evolve were a huge player or anything but you know, you don't want to see too many places disappear because it is still a good place for like a, you know, a Gresham to get a contract or an Alex Zane to get a contract. Um, it serves a purpose in that way, even if maybe, yeah, personally, I, I, I too, I've got no, uh, no real reason to, uh, to be watching Ring of Honor at the moment. I think the most likely co-promotion is probably going to be certainly in Japan. I can see one of the things happening when they're able to kind of fully open it is having a big sort of. Like the, um, what's the name of the show? Was it the Big Egg Festival? Where they just had kind of one match from all of these different companies. Oh, you mean the ten, the 1995 show where they had the 13 promotions putting on one match each in the Tokyo Dome? Yeah, yeah. I could see that happen. And I suppose in some ways, cooperations between companies, given the financial situations that they find themselves in, into promotional is probably the easiest way to go. So you're going to be more open-minded to this really than at any other time because, I mean, we saw it even with Wrestle 1 that created an influx of wrestlers into all Japan. Mm. And, that's, and that's like on a relatively small scale. 
So you're talking about a few companies possibly going under during this if they're not able to film any live content soon enough. You know, it gets to a point where they might just look at them as lost leaders and just think, well, I'm, you know, we're, we're able to kind of use it as a, as a tax write-off, but ultimately what interest is Sinclair going to have? They're not really going to improve the product. NWA, Lagana was a massive driving force behind the NWA. Yeah, that's probably gone too. Yeah, is is that gone? Um, you know, in in that case, yeah, it, it's like the state of the industry in and of itself is going to be. It's kind of the story. Well, it's one of the stories mm-hmm. that's going on, and what are the what are the effects? Where do all the sort of dominoes fall from that? Who's left standing, and then which ones are going to be able to cooperate? Yeah, and, and to that point, really, maybe explains in Anderson and Gallows. It's like if Impact are offering them <clears> big money, and they're not sure where else money's going to come from in the United States, maybe AEW. And I saw one of the, I think it was Anderson did a weird tweet about AEW saying he was meeting up with the Young Bucks to meet up with the, the people who've got the real power in AEW. Um, I don't know whether there was an issue there or not, but to be honest, I can't really blame anyone, especially you know guys like that who are now unemployed. Taking if a contract's thrown at you and it's a company, even if it's impact, just taking it um, while it's there and while there's while there's money on the table, because uh, yeah, the options are going to get a uh, slimmer uh, this year. I think uh, even even the little indies that these wrestlers will use to supplement their income with like a Ring of Honor contract or an Impact contract, mm, I wonder how many of those are going to be around as well. Uh, so yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, but moving on, to the the next thing we we're going to talk about today the other thing I think we've all seen. Did everybody watch Fire, uh, Fighter Fest, uh, the uh, the AW show this week? Yeah, I watched it today. I was, you know what? I watched some of uh, the New Japan Cup at the start, and I was really hesitant to watch wrestling. Hmm. I kind of really enjoyed this. Me too. Like, it was a really good show. Yeah. Honestly, I was like almost like fearing watching it because I thought I was going to feel quite dirty and quite horrible. What with what's been going on, I don't know. It really cheered me up. Like I felt good for watching it like that opening match yeah um i was like oh i fucking love wrestling this is why it was it was awesome that opening match with wardlow and uh what was it wardlow and mjf against luchasaurus and jungle boy what a fun match that was like wardlow for a guy who's what what is he couple of years in he's really good especially in these multi-man matches at this point so no i was you know, I said I was pleasantly surprised. I was pleasantly surprised at just how much I enjoyed it and how much I didn't think of all the horrible stuff that's gone on in wrestling over the last couple... Well, I say horrible stuff over the last couple of weeks. Horrible stuff has gone on for years that has come out in the last couple of weeks. So, no, I was really happy that I can watch wrestling still and separate separate from that. So, no, really good show from AEW, I thought. Um, and I will be watching this week as well. Mm. Yeah, I was bang into it. Like, my... My grapple rate, I was I was worried. I thought my grapple ratings were going to be silly when we get into this because I've got a few matches that are like three and a half or above. Um, well, I didn't think there was a bad match on the show. Like, to your point, Joe, like that Jurassic Express MJF and Wardo match was so good. It was the perfect example of doing like, it was very indie in some ways and you got like your big indie spots. But at the same time, there was like, like a clear through line of a story through it with the uh, the MJF feuds with, 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 uh, with Jungle Boy. There was kind of yeah, your big men going up against each other with Luchasaurus and Wardlow. And it was just laid out really, really well. I mean, I know they're not in front of a real crowd, but it was the type of match that would, you know, it would have brought the house down from like yeah, a, a heat point of view as well. You know, I don't want to sound like, you know, a bitter veteran of, oh, these, these lads come out and just do things just for the sake of it. But this match wasn't that. This wasn't one of these matches where it was just spots for the sake of it. It was just 
it was a really cleverly laid out tag match. I'll be honest, I gave it 3.75 on Grapple. It was actually my favourite match of the night, and I had Same. no expectations going into it. I don't know about uh, you two, uh, JP and stuff. Yeah, it was my favourite match of the night. I thought it was fantastic. I think Wardlow's like the future huge star, and they're doing the right thing with him, just having him there with MJF and like just kind of keeping him in the background there and giving him time to grow, like give him some matches on dark and stuff. But that guy's absolutely going to be at the top of this company mm. in a couple at least. But yeah, that was match of the night. Yeah, totally. I would agree. I would also advise I watched, so I caught up on a fair bit of AEW before mm. I watched Fighter Fest. So I would say a fair bit. There was bits I, I want to see the Ricky Starks match and see how he was. But I did see Wardlow versus Luchasaurus in a lumberjack match, which was much more fun than it had any right to be. And then I was remembering back to the MJF Jungle Boy match, which was the best match that I'd seen MJF have. And as much as it would kind of like in some ways jungle boy should be prototypical of what smart fans kind of um, dislike in a wrestler. You can't help but like him mm. and like all of the components here, it's like the best of MJF. It's like it kind of as nicely reset him. I think in a way this feud at the right level and as well, not like over pushing the, him. This is where he should be. Yeah. Yeah. And Wardlow has just sort of, grown so much and the fact he's so fresh the fact this isn't somebody you you know from the kind of indies and has that kind of reputation before he goes into a company is nice and unique and he delivers well he delivers well especially you know it's not just big spots like he's able to have be part of good matches and kind of has good timing he doesn't look like he's a kind of out of position he, he really you get the impression of someone who's really sort of growing and learning and developing. And this is kind of like, along with Darby Allen kind of in that mix, these are a kind of crop of guys to re like who are so much more fun than they have any right to be. Mm. Yeah. Jungle boy, especially like that. There is a quality about it. There's just something so likable about him. And yeah. you know, he can, he can hit like the big spots and stuff, but it, it's the personality side. Like I almost, to be honest, when I was watching this, I, I don't like that Marco Stunt is, is in this group normally. Like, Marco Stunt is entertaining in his role, don't get me wrong. And it, it does work to an extent, but I think the real magic is Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. And Jungle Boy being the little guy and Luchasaurus being the big guy. And you don't really need a little guy to take away from Jungle Boy because I think he's so perfect in the role. And, like, this match was just a, a great example of that. Um, but yeah, did anyone go higher than me on, on Grapple? I don't know if you guys rated this with it. It was kind of weird, wasn't it? It was like a TV show slasher slasher pay-per-view. Um, mm. It was a TV show. Yeah, Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. Like, <laughs> with, with a really bad like, theme, like the, the Fighter Fest yeah. thing. Like That wasn't a funny joke last year, never mind now. How many years ago was that documentary? Like, Do people even know what, what a Fighter Fest is? Like, Oh, that was weird. It feels like 15 years ago at this point. <laughs> Does, Mate, I never made it even through the documentary. I mean, I got 45 minutes in and was like, this is going off. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, I was going to say as well, with Wardlow and MJF, you can tell they're planting the seeds already. Mm. And like, this is going to be a thing I think that's going to go on for another year. I can't see them breaking it up for at least yeah. a year. But you know that Wardlow is going to go over huge as a baby face mm. when they do that turn in front of a crowd at some point. And it, it's classic booking. It's having like foresight to understand and see something ahead of time 
but knowing when to plant the seeds. It's it's got a sort of Triple H Batista vibe about it, if anything, with the sort of way they planted the seeds this week. So nah, looking forward to that one as well. Yeah. Um, I suppose next up we had Hikarushida uh, uh, and Penelope Ford. Another really good match. Like I don't know if it was just me or was it a really Easily good match? The best Penelope Ford match I've ever seen. No, like, I've, I've yeah. never rated her in terms. I think she can do spots well, but this was really good. Like the pace this was wrestled at, I was kind of blown away by. Mm. Like how long was this match altogether? Did anyone like get a time? Minutes. On this yeah, it's about ten, like ten minutes. It flew by. Like it, like Hikari Shida wrestles at a fair whip, I tell you. Like, I think she's had a really good time since she's been over in AEW more full time. And yeah, long may she stay because I think doing a cracking job of that women's championship and got something out of Penelope Ford that I didn't think that she was capable of at this point in time. I thought this was a really, really fun match for what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went three and a half on grapple on it and I never expected to give it that. I don't think anyone like expected that out of Penelope Ford, and she really, she really pulled it out. Maybe part of it was her opponent, but she's definitely someone that has grown so much from basically starting off as a girl to do a spot in a match mm. to she's she gets better every time she wrestles, and that was yeah, she's um really. I mean, they do need to do better with their women's division, but at least it feels like they're getting a bit a bit better. Getting I, I think they're getting there to yeah. be honest with you because I think Nyla Rose has definitely improved I think she was ropey at the start um, I felt kind of scared watching her wrestle at first but I also think with like the Britt Baker character stuff as well and the amount of time they give to that as well and how that's a long term booking uh, sort of um, decision they're going with there in terms of building to what they do with her um, I think they've got something there to be honest with you and I think they've kind of got the balance right with the amount of um, Japanese women that they're using at this point in time because I think originally they kind of I, I felt like Omega had too much control yeah. and there were these um, sort of like Joshi talent that was coming over and I'd be like who is this person who is this person and I wouldn't know who was who and they wouldn't feel like there was much of a profile done on them. They'd kind of come in, turn up for a bit, but now it feels like there's more of a balance. It feels like they've got a kind of core women's roster established. So I hadn't watched AEW for a few weeks, but I know who everyone is, who was there. Whereas other times when I drop in, there'd be someone there and I'd be like, who is this person? Who, what am I meant to feel about this person? So it, it does feel like they're doing a better job at actually establishing it at this point. And I think the work has improved. I think the, the work from the women in the ring was dodgy for the first while. It's got a lot better in the last few months, since the turn of the year, if anything. Mm. Yeah. It's a well-booked division now. And there's multiple interesting storylines. I'm interested in Big Swole and Britt Baker. And Britt Baker is a highlight of the show. Um, And it's kind of good, logical booking, and they're kind of building a good core roster. Penelope Ford clearly has something there. Um, And like Joe mentioned earlier on, I used to think of her as just like a spot. And I was thinking back, was it all in that she was in? It was, wasn't it? And that's the thing I kind of remembered from her was the spots. Uh, It was uh, Joey Janela and uh, Hangman Page, wasn't it? And... And I can remember her doing the spots and I can remember some of the matches in in AEW earlier on that she focused in. And it was at a point where the division was kind of a mess, booking-wise. And you just have multi-person matches for the sake of it. But here, 
it feels now like what's happened is certainly in Hikaru Shida, just the amount of fire. And I remember the Nyla Rose match from um, Double or Nothing, and I really enjoyed that. And you know, Nyla Rose, you've mentioned, has improved. Everyone has gotten better, and they've gotten better working with each other. And it's been a good kind of organic build in mm. that women's division. It has stature. Hikaru Shida matches are enjoyable. And it, in some ways, it's really sad that there's no fans to kind of appreciate it, like, in there. Because it feels like the character-driven stuff is real, is working. Even to the point where Rebel from TNA... Um, as Britt Baker's kind of um, lackey. Is that who that is? That is, yeah. I had no idea. I I think she's great, and it's a very minor role. Mm. We talked about Crown members earlier on, Big Swole and the job that she has done. And I watched, um, there was a wrestler, it was a kind of strange, weird kind of supernatural gimmick, I think called Anadorm, and was in a squash match. And that was, um, you know, felt kind of very good and fresh and it feels like they're really doing something and yeah maybe kenny isn't booking the show which might make him sulk that he's not booking the division but thank fuck maybe big tones on it and he's just you know multitasking like hell hoping that fulham get in the playoffs at the same time (laughs) are they in and around the playoffs are they i've not really yeah they are they won the other night yeah there you go. He's got he's got a lot on his plate as uh, as Big Toad at the moment. But yeah, definitely I'd, I'd echo that. There's that obvious improvement there, and yeah, I think again, I think they've been forced to switch plans anyway because of the pandemic and only having you know certain women they can use and experiment with people they might not have experimented with before. And yeah, it's definitely been a a positive uh, of the dynamites I've seen. Um, but you mentioned there that that was uh, I don't know a, a fresh part of the show. A not-so-fresh match was up next, Jake Hager and Cody Rhodes. And I've got to be honest, I went into this with extreme dread because it's a Jake Hager singles match. I saw Meltzer gave it four stars, which makes me feel a little bit more safe. I wouldn't go that far. Oh, no. (laughs) The average on grapple is three. I actually gave it three and a half. And to be honest, find out that Meltzer gave it four made me feel better. It was, was, wasn't it? Like, I'm not crazy. It was actually a good little match. It was like maybe it's Cody smoking mirrors, but he made it work with Jake Hager and it was the most I've been interested in Jake Hager in this, uh, in this AEW room. Yeah, I think Cody knows how to make it work with these sort of guys at this moment in time. And yeah, there was the smoke and mirrors, the outside stuff and the Arn stuff and Jake Hager's wife, who seems to now be a thing as well, apparently. Well, he is rock Fair hard. enough. It's, sorry, say that again. He is Rock Hard. That's his nickname now, isn't it? I'm not just making that up. Rock Hard, Jake Hager. Oh. That's his name. Oh, wow. That's an in- interesting taste at this moment in time. I missed that bit. Um, <laughs> I sort of had to. I thought you said that better originally and was like, did he say that? Like, <laughs> Oh, Hager said it in his own promo. Yep, that's his nickname. I don't know how I missed that bit. Maybe I ran through that bit. But as a match, I thought this was perfectly good. And I think Hager, like, I've never really been a fan of his. But it's always felt like he lacked a bit of confidence um, and a bit of assurance in his sort of own ability and a bit of belief. 
And it feels like he's getting that the more he wrestles in AEW. Like, obviously, he didn't wrestle for the longest time. But the more I see him wrestle, the more kind of impressed I am of him. Mm. And I like the changes in style. And now they've tried to sort of hone in on this kind of like amateur wrestling stuff. And they're constantly talking about it on commentary. It does set him apart a little bit. And it makes him seem like a different type of wrestler. I do wonder if they've had him lose too many times when he has mm. actually wrestled. I think that is a slight issue. And I thought that you might have done a, maybe a DQ or a double pin or something here as well. Because the finish, I was a bit like, do I like that finish or do I not like that finish? I was sort of caught in two minds over it. But mm. in terms of the sort of physical nature of it, I thought this was pretty good. I would watch another match between them. I'd welcome another match between them at some point, to be honest. Yeah, and I wouldn't have said that going in. How about you guys? I'm, I thought it was really good. And to echo what Joe said, like Jake Hager seems like a guy who was just kind of totally been down by WWE in every possible way, not just in ring and out, like out of ring as well, like his promos and his talking. And when you see him do a lot of the inner circle stuff with Jericho, you can see like how much he's come out of himself, like come out of his shell. And it's amazing, like the change that he's made. So, yeah, I thought it was a it was a pretty good match. I thought Cody got the best out of him. Cody kind of loses something without the crowd, I think, though. Mm. He's he's like that kind of baby face that a lot of it is um him playing to the crowd and he does kind of kind of lose something. I'm not sure if he's maybe the best choice to carry that title without a crowd to do this kind of every week match, but it was a good match. Yeah, I can see what you mean. If you had, say, the title on, say, Pack, I know it's an entirely different character, but if you're going to do the kind of like weekly match, I can see what you mean by that. Um, yeah, generally to echo a lot of your thoughts, when this match came up, I thought, this is going to be a test of how much I still love wrestling. And <laughs> I, I watched it, and I was pleasantly surprised and i completely agree in terms of the confidence and it also helps that cody's got a bit of an amateur wrestling background so i think it made kind of a lot of those spots work in in that sense as well but yeah completely to echo the fact that hager is kind of coming into himself so character can see he's enjoying it i think he enjoys like it generally seems like it's a very positive place to be around the place hopefully not in terms of covid but just as in terms of like as a good environment to be working in and that people are enjoying it, which when you compare with the horror stories from WWE does sort of put that in stark contrast. I know no place is absolutely perfect, obviously. But yeah, this, um, like, long may it continue for this. But I would say in terms of the losing, there seems to be a whole sort of inner circle losing thing. They fall into their funk and probably come back a bit more vicious. I could see them doing that and resetting it away from the comedy Mm. maybe at that point probably building up to when they can get fans and blood and guts yeah yeah bring sammy back to an angle with him maybe um yeah yeah the, the only thing i'd say about hager like i i'd watch another cody match i'm still not sold on wanting to see him long term um but i do agree this was the best possible use of um, yeah and they did and in the earlier weeks they also did some fun stuff at like a press conference as well with hager mm. where he to where, where like he didn't turn up for it and then he turned up late and was really disrespectful and and all that stuff and they, they're booking him well mm. this is kind of how you book him and it kind of just goes to show that i mean it's, it's relatively simple we've mentioned a couple of big enforcer types mm. that doesn't get old wherever you do wherever you do that if you have a kind of you know kind of a mouthy heel with a big enforcer dude 
behind them. You know, that works. Mm. That's booking 101. Yeah. I've got no problem with them having a few of them as well. Like I heard um, Alvarez was... Uh, I don't know why his name's come up a few times. I am a fan. But like he was having a go at uh, AEW for having too many managers. And it was like, have we are we just have we all just got Stockholm syndrome from watching too much WWE? Like it's okay to have multiple managers. It's okay to have multiple big men, because I've seen that complaint as well. Uh, as long as you can I mean, obviously you don't have too many and you do want to keep the big men special. Uh I don't know, maybe we're all just uh, indoctrinated by like the WWE mm. way of doing things, aren't we? Um, yeah, yeah I'm enjoying these big men. I think it's about time we had a load of hosses. Yeah. And I like seeing all these old fellas on the TV. Yeah, as much as they should be hanging around during a global pandemic, it's probably bad for them. You know what? Jake Roberts gets Jake Roberts over, but I love seeing Jake Roberts. Mm. It's great to see the bloke off the booze, off the crack, having a great time, hanging out. <laughs> Putting his feet up when he wants to, getting involved when he wants to, trying to recreate the Rick Rude storyline with Brandy Rhodes unsuccessfully. You know, I'm all for these managers. I think it's a nice little break from a norm. And it also provides a more sort of, I say organic, is a bit contrived to some extent, but it provides more room for spots in matches as well at times. And it provides a different way to build a match as well at times as well. So I'm absolutely fine with it. Totally. Yeah, I... I think that one of the worst things WWE ever did was like taking away managers. Mm. Managers have always been fantastic. And it seems anytime WWE has a good one, like just for example, the original Lana and Rusev, they have to immediately kill it. But mm. I'm happy the managers back, whether it's Jake or Aaron or anyone else. Great use of legends too. Like that's that's what to do with them. Well, it gives them an organic space on the TV, doesn't it? As well, to some extent. Whereas I think WWE will often try. Like, aren't they, they got some sort of Ric Flair at the moment, where he keeps turning up or the rest of it? For mm. real reason to insert himself in Randy Orton's uh, drama, it's just really yeah. A man who almost. Yeah, a man who almost died a couple of years ago. But, you know, he's going to die for the business, isn't he? Let's be honest here. Oh. There is no fucking Ric Flair away. If anyone gets the Randy, the Ram and the Wrestler death, it's got to be Ric Flair, really, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Sorry, JP. <laughs> I don't know where to go. Follow that, that Yeah, You mentioned, though, with the managers, I always look at Zelina Vega. as yeah. as like, And that's kind of been up and down, but that should be kind of a like the character is so well defined and it completely works. But then there's the Vince obsession of actually trying to get her to wrestle. And you go, well, you're just not playing to her strengths. Then are you at that point? Not, like not um, everyone's designed to be a wrestler. So yeah. there's, you know, they, they tried it with Lana too. It's just not everyone has to wrestle. Just let some people be managers. Exactly. And, and it kind of leads on to someone who I've been really impressed with the manager. And I will say, cause I'm, I'm Brian Cage, I've seen a lot, but I really like Taz in this role. Great Jesus. promos. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Great promos. The technique by Taz, it's not an over-the-top heel. It's kind of kind of closer to what, I suppose, a Paul Ellering-style manager at point. Mm. He's never going to physically get involved in a match, but what he's going to do is kind of help with kind of mind games. And there's a complete logic to all of the Taz stuff as well that plays into his previous character. And he plays off his old phrases and just sort of rejigs it and it works. And then if he goes on commentary and talks seriously about another wrestler without being demeaning, it doesn't break his character. So he's not a cartoon heel who just hates every baby face. He can talk about them in a, in a, in a proper way. And yet, will the match be great? 
I imagine it'll be fine. Um, but at the same time, like he's made me a lot more interested in that match. He has any right to do. And is that not the ultimate job of the manager? Totally. Mm. Yeah. And he was, he was, very, he was good in the role of impact as well. I remember when they put him with Samoa Joe for a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's underutilized Taz. I think he got a bad TNA stank on him because like everyone there, he kind of lost interest towards the end of his run. And I was a big critique of his, uh, very critical of his, of his commentary work. Um, but even his commentary work on AEW has been been very good too. Um, he's worked really hard since yeah, he's yeah. gone back. Like worked really hard on Dark, and when he had to fill in to go on um, on mm. episodes of um, Dynamite, he's done really well. And it feels like he's really good. We want to use him, but they kind of like the broadcast booth that they have, mm, and they've managed to slot him into a role that completely makes sense. And for someone like Brian Cage, who isn't a talker, mm. well, you just have him looking big and hard in the background. Yeah. Doesn't that speak volumes about AEW to some extent, though? And like, what it is is this almost like fresh space for kind of fresh, but also sort of, I don't want to say rehash, but a spin on new ideas, postmodern ideas, if anything. Like, there's this kind of like... I'm going to sound like some like intellectual academic type here. They're sort of like wrestling literate, if that makes sense. Mm. And they've got someone there who's been a fan like us for years. But, you know, whereas we're all from working class backgrounds, this fella's from the fucking billionaire's background paradise and his dad's been playing the markets for years and buying up companies you know whereas my dad was working in a factory fitting parts on cars so he's lucky enough to actually have this job and it feels like his kind of list and litany of wrestling influences and his consumption of wrestling over the years has led him to have an open mind and an open approach when it comes to wrestling rather than seeing wrestling this one way mm. so a lot of these guys come here and rather than being shut down and becoming disillusioned because you've got this like way it should be and this management that just reject because you've got this powerful body over here who ultimately dictates and as i say you've got someone who's a bit more of a sponge and a bit more willing to work for people and has a respect for these people that he's seen perform in the business for years so i don't know i think it speaks to what aw is as a company and what it's giving to wrestling at this moment in time like i said about how much i enjoyed this show right if uh, the shit of the last couple of weeks had have happened and it was going back to wwe would i have felt this kind of positive about watching wrestling again i really don't know and I think it's the kind of the the entire approach, the mentality, and just the feel of AEW. There is something quite nice and almost quite comforting about it, and that's great to have when Dynamite is less than a year in, if anything. Yeah, Tony Khan is like absolutely living every fan's dream, but he's doing us proud at the moment. I think, like, absolutely, he is just using all the influences of the great wrestling that he's seen growing up and. It's just fun to watch. I hope he continues. Sure. It's been better since he took control. Yeah. When did he take control? Sort of start of the year. He could see the problems. It was like New Year's, wasn't it, JP, when it went really off the rails, that bad Dark Order segment? Yeah. And he just, he decided, right, how do we make sense of a lot of this stuff? Mm. And, I, sorry. Sorry. No, I think he just needed to kind of um, step in and say, look, guys, I, I'm the one in charge here. And, wrestlers running wrestling companies might not be the best idea really mm. so i think yeah once he took the reins it's really improved so much 
Yeah. yeah, he's doing what Benno's doing for about 200 minions on a much grander scale for hundreds of thousands, if not millions, basically, isn't he, Benno? Running his own TW game. <laughs> well, essentially, yeah, but this is like, it's like VR, if anything. He's living living the fucking dream. I've uh, got to be honest, as JP can attest, I think uh, Tony Carr's AEW save is better than my AEW save, but you know, we'll... Uh... <laughs> Stay tuned to Twitch. Might uh, might pick that up again uh, this, this couple of weekends. Um, but anyway, yeah, re- honestly, big fan of Taz. Really enjoyed that segment. Enjoyed the little barbs at WWE as well uh, about WWE having a sloppy shop. That was great. You want to hear that stuff, don't you? That's uh, when you're in a wrestling war. Why not? Throw, throw a little, uh, throw something back at them. Um, thought that was great, but. Following up from that, we had a maybe not so great manager. I don't think there's much to say on this match. It was like a, a gentleman's three of a tag, Santana and Ortiz against Private Hardy. My main question is, like we've just raved about the manager in AW. Why is Matt Hardy playing Doc Hendricks in like 2020? Like, is it <laughs> is, is it on purpose? Is that what they're doing? Like, because he's literally just he's like the uncool dad hanging around with like like private party who are like actually quite a cool act and he's just hanging around with them in his 1990s doc Hendricks gear like this is one i really don't get if we're gonna eat praise on them this is one where i'm just like you what why why is he with them i feel like they've already come to the place where they don't know what to do with matt hardy mm. so he's literally like the weird guy wandering around backstage just detaching himself to people i think they've just uh, like he like they needed him for a match or two and now they're just like oh shit we still have Matt Hardy <laughs> what can we do just <laughs> that Speaking Michael of my Hayes AW comparison yeah <laughs> yeah that Michael Hayes comparison is awesome Benno I didn't think of that but I was like eh when I was watching this this one I didn't watch closely because me and JP were on a work call uh, while I had this one in the background and I was sort of like half into the work call on mute half watching this match while wondering what Matt Hardy was kind of doing around and also kind of as first I was messaging JP at the same time about (laughs) both the work call and AEW so multitasking but with Matt Hardy I just wonder when when is Jeff's contract up I don't think there's any rumor about that to be honest I don't think it's anytime Uh, soon I don't think they're getting on at the moment either I know they fell out like last year oh did they Mm. when um the wives started tweeting. Yeah, yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, I, that one passed me. That one passed me by. He might have made it up, was though. The, was arrested again. Mm. Yeah, around all that. Then, like, what Jeff's wife said something, and then Rebby said something about Matt, like supporting Jeff and helping him. It was a mess. Mm. It was a family Twitter mess. <laughs> oh, God. Right, okay. So maybe uh, what I was going to suggest, which was one last great tag team run for six months where they get a good run and put the Young Bucks over, put Omega and Paige over, and then possibly Private Party. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that won't happen after all, then. Oh, maybe. <laughs> say, Bully Ray's free, though, Joe. Maybe they could do that. He just got oh, sacked by Ring of Honor. Fuck no. We don't need TLC. I watched the King of Staten Island the other day. I did as well. And there, there were some Bully Rays all across that. I was thinking, Bully Ray working in the New York Fire Department in Staten Island. You could see it, couldn't you, Ben? 100%, yeah. What do you think of it as a film? I liked it. It was pretty decent. Um, not, not his best I thought work, it was okay. I thought it was bloated. And I thought oh, that, um, 
too long. This guy, the guy from Saturday Night Live, who I knew nothing about, but my girlfriend knew all about him. Peter, um, he's not what Seth Rogen was when Seth Rogen started off in the Apatow vehicles. That's for sure. Not the same charisma or the same likability. Likability, that's the big thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I also thought that like the opening scene where he's like crashing his car, and you're like, shit, this guy's damaged. They don't really explore kind of why in a lot of depth or get to the bottom of like why he's doing stuff like that yeah. he just sort of and therefore you've got no all... sympathy for him because you don't understand why he's doing what he's doing you know what i mean like why would you be yeah. on the side yeah absolutely and yeah i i there were bits about it i liked um the performances in it that i thought were great. i thought marissa tomei was amazing i thought bill burr who i love was awesome as well um but yeah as a film i don't don't know if it held together really they yeah, didn't edit. There were a lot of scenes where, like, they'd just be like cutting a promo on each other, and it was like everyone in the film turned into a stand-up comedian for like five minutes. You know what I mean? They didn't sound like real people. They just sounded like yeah. like like Bill Burr, like being a comedian. Um, but... Which I'm fine with because I enjoy a Bill Burr stand-up in the right context. Uh, though. Me too. Very yeah, terrible. yeah. Um, but anyway, there's our review for a private party in Santa Rotis. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to say it felt like because they trained together by all accounts. Like um, Bill Bear and um, Pete Dickinson. Yeah, Bill Bill Burr and Pete Davidson. Yeah, <laughs> Davidson. I keep saying years. Dickinson. Yeah, Davidson. Yeah, they were working those Boston what? and New York Indies, weren't they? <laughs> um, no, private party uh, and uh, Santa oh, Rotis. Sorry, sorry, JP. Sorry. And that's how it kind of looked as much as anything else. And I think it's a match to kind of explain probably why Chris Jericho might lose to Orange Cass- Cassidy next week. Which I wonder if Mike Tyson might turn up for that. Oh, that'd be a way to do it. I could Jericho mm-hmm. could sell that. You know that you've said it. On paper, Jericho losing to Orange Cassidy sounds like an awful idea. Jericho hamming it up and it being Tyson's fault or someone else's fault. That might work, you know. Yeah, Jericho's and, just said it's like his best match ever, apparently. Really? Has the match been taped already as it's Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. Yeah, it seems like it's been taped. But yeah, I think Jericho's going to lose to Orange I, That's uh, To me, like that's just a Jericho thing to do, lose mm. to Orange Cassidy. I think that's where that's going for sure. I think he sees it as possibly a challenge. How mm. can I do this and make it really good, even though it could sound ter- it sounds terrible on the face of it? of like in terms of like star levels but i think he would know it and having seen some of this um uh jericho orange Cassidy stuff it's been a lot better than really has any right to be and again there's been a kind of like you know he is someone and i know people like to read into the quarter hour stuff which i'm not because as we've spoken many times it seems like a flawed model of kind of knowing how many viewers there are anyway at points i'm kind of dubious about how it's kind of counted anyway hmm. he's clearly someone who you're looking for kind of people to stand out on a television show ultimately which is what it is and he stands out jericho recognizes that jericho thinks right if i just lost to him it's just like hogan losing a billy kidman isn't it it didn't it doesn't mean anything hmm. so how does he get it to mean something whilst at the same time he doesn't lose anything Therefore, I'd say get Tyson in. Now, watch none of that will happen. <laughs> none of that will happen. And that's why Tone needs to fucking, honestly, once he's caught up with his with his Fulham, give me a shout. Can he get over here, though? If they got to the final, like, 
could, can you fly in here from the US at the moment? What's going on with that? Because I, I certainly can't fly to the US. I don't. I don't think you can fly in. I think it's um, uh, yeah. I don't, or it's like a two week quarantine when you get here. Well, unless you're Nigel Farage, you managed to do both and not uh, do the two week quarantines. But anyway. Yeah, more upon himself that man having his painting weather spoons. Yeah. Anyway, hope it tastes oh. like piss. <laughs> um, anyway, on the show it itself, <laughs> you did mention the ratings there, JP, and like the main events I've seen kind of because people have been analysing the fact that AW have lost two weeks in a row to NXT. And with you, JP, I want to see if this pattern, could, if this is a longer term pattern over the next couple of weeks. I think there's something to it. Um, but when you're talking the numbers you're talking about with AW and NXT, you know it only it only takes one person with a with a box in the, with a Nielsen box in their house to turn over, and you've lost ten thousand viewers. I, I don't know how much I, I read into it, but I did see a lot of people credit and maybe not putting say Cody in the main event and going with this because I think this, you know, if you put any stock in that, lost some viewers um, in, in the Nielsen system. Sorry, JP. I was going to say, just to counter that, though, if you think of it, at this point in time, A's thing, AEW's thing is to produce a product that goes on television that makes sure they're getting their money from TNT, because without that, they're dead. So they have to do that. It's also very unusual circumstances, and they're doing higher than what they would have done if they'd had original TV on anyway. And for that, if they're having to make their own kind of product at the same time, so it kind of fulfills a gap. It, it, you know, they do have kind of younger viewers who go into that as well. So it kind of fulfills a need at this point. But it also gives them the chance to experiment. And it's also the chance where you can do it, where you can try and build up people and then see what the live crowd reaction is if you go to kind of work on it. And we might find that some of these people don't have the same kind of heat that we think at this point in time in front of a live crowd. Mm. Okay, that's fine. But I kind of admire them for experimenting. And, you know, I, I've pushed for it for a long time. Now they've got um, Phoenix and Pentagon back in. I'd love to see sort of some Phoenix matches, some singles matches at some point. Although that tag division looks bl- fucking tasty now at this stage with them back in the mix. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think for them, them experimenting and don't overreact to this quarter hour bullshit because that's what ended up killing like WCW, like kind of overreact. Well, it's part of it. Overreacting to these types of things and these metrics that are really variable, mm. given that someone could just, you know, switch over and just look at their phone for 10 minutes. Mm. Like, and it, it doesn't mean that they've fallen out of love with AEW forever. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's it. And I, I think a lot of the criticism I saw was around putting the best friends in this main event position with them being a comedy act. But I thought for the match itself, I thought they did pretty well. Like, I I I love the 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 entrance with uh, with Trent's mum's car. I thought that was hilarious. Yes. Like, that was yeah. only they can get away with that. Like any other act, that's not working. But I thought that was brilliant. That's them to a T. And to be fair, when it came down to actually having the match, I thought they brought it. It was a. I gave it three and a half on grapple. You know, it's not my favourite match of the night or anything, but I thought it was a a solid little tag uh, and another good entry into the uh, Omega and Adam Page as a, a as a tag team canon. Um, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun, and yeah, I have seen it getting a lot of the blame for the uh, for the rating dip, but I don't know. I I wouldn't put a huge amount of stock in that either. I think maybe the only thing is like that. So that went head to head with. Eo Shirai and Sasha Banks. Yeah, and people were really into that, and 
people absolutely adore Sasha Banks. Yeah. Like so much, especially from what I see on Twitter and her getting that kind of chance, I think made a lot of people switch over. I think it was going to take, I don't know what it would have taken for AW to actually beat them in that final quarter with Mm. Sasha Banks being on the other side. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Good match though. Did everyone enjoy? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was uh, good. I think Omega and Paige have had better and they're going to carry on having better at some point. I, I mean, I haven't mentioned a lot of sort of star ratings that I've gone for, but I went three and a half on this, and it Same. feels to be kind of a lot of the theme of the night of a TV show. That if you're get, getting mainly sort of three and a half star matches, everything that's kind of good to very good, it's very churlish to complain. I like the entrance. I kind of knew that they weren't going over for it, but um, you know, everyone works hard, and you know they're they're. At the same time, I think Trent Beretta has singles potential. I remember New Japan were going to do something with him. And then I'm, I'm trying to see, did he get injured at that point in time? Or was it the stage that the contract had kind of come up? Is that when he left to go to AEW? Yeah, they, I think he they, just decided they, to leave, yeah. Yeah, because they, they had some plans. And he's got real charisma there as well. But you can have him doing singles matches while in tags. Because in AEW, it all kind of makes sense. And they don't disregard people um, doing kind of um, singles matches as well. But overall, yeah, this is really good fun. But it felt, you know, there's loads of other great tag teams in there to get Mm. to. And that's really what you want to see Kenny Omega and Hangman Page doing. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of it was set up to get FTR out there, wasn't it? And set up the eight-man that they're they're doing next week. Uh, But yeah, similar to the women's division, tag division is definitely looking interesting in AW. (laughs) <laughs> well, there was no sort of heavyweight title stuff on that yeah. and because of obviously covid that's kind of delayed so it did put it feels like other divisions got the focus here mm. and that's not a bad thing mm. you know it was a lot of kind of the your secondary titles and that's fine but yeah all in all a really good show i thought for, uh, for week one mm. i think week two is going to suffer a little bit losing the title match uh, it doesn't feel as stacked but if this is anything to go by, and if Jericho is talking about the Orange Cassidy match as one of the best of his career, then yeah, I'm I'm excited for next week. And yeah, uh, just water. tune in. Mm, yeah, yeah. Orange so. Cassidy one like it has a that kind of value of what the heck is this going to be? Mm. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. There. Did anybody bother? What did you watch any of uh, Great American Bash stuff? I I don't think you guys did. Did you, JP or Joe? No. I just watched Sasha and EO. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, Fine, a gentleman's three. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's but- pretty tragic, isn't it? Given that that should be something that should be great, and how good Io Shirai is. How long did they give it? Oh god, I can't remember. They it was the match they saved all their because they were meant to be doing limited to no commercials, so they saved the no commercials for that match. Mm. So I think they gave it like the final like twenty. Okay. Yeah. It was it was pretty good. It was really good, and Sasha. I just feel like there's a feeling with Sasha that um, everything Charlotte gets, Sasha deserves. So I think Sasha going into NXT and actually having a really good match just really excited people. But other than that, like I I did not watch um, the poor Roderick Strong in that strap match. <laughs> oh, with Dexter Loomis, the. Uh... Oh. oh, he's one of JP's favourites. I'm surprised he didn't watch that. TNA you're, not, original. you're not a favourite. You're not a favourite of, you're not a favorite of uh, Sam Shaw, Steph. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
for that gimmick. No, <laughs> no. But no, I haven't felt myself very invested in NXT recently, which is weird because it finally seems to be getting more popular. Mm. I don't know, out of it a bit. It is concerning. I think it'll be a bump for a couple of weeks. I also think that there was a week, the first week that NXT won again a couple of weeks ago. I honestly think this is where the audience is slightly different. I think you've got a more engaged audience when it comes to AEW. And I honestly believe that some of the kind of um, uh, the loss of audience that week was possibly because of what was going on in wrestling at that point in time and the bad feeling around wrestling. And you look at when sort of big life events and big events in the US occur, AEW often loses viewers and NXT often sustains their viewership or gets a few more on board. So I think you've just got a, a big portion of the NXT sort of audience who is just so set in their ways, if anything. Whereas I think you've got a more flexible, 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 fluid uh, audience for AEW, if anything. And a younger one. Yeah, yeah, which is a big part of it. Those 50-year-old men, they're not switching over NXT for nothing, are they? <laughs> be fucking apocalypse outside, and that's staying on. <laughs> You'll be there in a few years, mate. <laughs> wow. Cheeky bastard. Uh, well, before any of us. <laughs> I'm not far behind you, JP. 36 now. Yeah. It's coming. Uh, but anyway. Less than there's still hell to look forward to, isn't there? <laughs> but it's fair to say, we're not in the demo of NXT, which might explain why none of us are, uh, are seeing it, even when they are having these minor wins over AW, but I am a little bit concerned that it's happening at a time when it feels like Vince and Bruce Pritchard, especially Vince, has a bit more control over NXT, and they're going to think, oh, we're doing the right thing here. Um, but, you know, I'm not someone who's hugely invested in NXT in the first place, so, you know, they can have it, as far as I'm concerned, as long as I've got AEW on the other channel. Um, but, yeah, Fun, uh, fun, fun, fun show for AEW, and it'll be interesting to see how they how they do do next week uh, up against NXT. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it for that. Uh, before we go, I did want to mention as well. I mean, I feel like I've saved the main event for last year, but did anybody watch GCW? Is it just me and Steph? I know you've seen one of the matches, Steph. JP, did you uh, find yourself watching any of it or? I'm assuming you didn't, Joe. <laughs> Mate, I think I've given up. For the for the foreseeable Brit wrestling indies, I'm done. Fair I'm enough. just watching. They did have I'm a nasty in the main event. I can't argue too hard on that point. I <laughs> saw the first two two to three matches because I was it was started at nine and match of the day was on and I wanted to watch that performance against Wolves mm. again, even though I watched the game live. So I saw the Alex Zane versus the bloke who was dressed up like a motocross guy. It was Ricky Shane Page, that mate. Oh, was it Ricky Shane Page in his in <laughs> you, his um, you fooled you, mate. indie gimmick? Ricky Crash, he was uh, on the show. That was a, a lot the of show, people doing their backyard yeah. gimmick. Basically, was the uh, the theme like last year, July the fourth. I was on a baca- I was on a I was on a Bacayo uh, <laughs> Saka based toy. <laughs> well, you were going to say something else then? Sorry. Shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a Bukayo Saka based high. Okay. I'll leave it at that. Oh, great fancy football player. Um, but yeah, no, it was, I, yeah, that, that was what, that was fun. Overall, like, it's not something I'm, uh, Gareth has actually put the show up on Grapple for people to rate. I don't know how you rate this thing as a show. It is literally, same as last year, 4th of July, they're literally in someone's back garden and they're doing, doing a backyard show like you know we would have as as kids like you know uh, all of those horrible videos you saw in the early 2000s of people doing silly spots off roofs and stuff it's basically that but as a wrestling show but i feel like in a pandemic 
it's not the worst time to do that. It's kind of the right time to do that. Um, but overall, yeah, not really a star ratings kind of show. Like that Alex A and Ricky Shane, uh, Ricky Crash, sorry, my match, uh, JP, did less than three on Grapple. I'm just scrolling through. The only match that was kind of of note on Grapple, and I did see uh, Ian Hamilton did a full review for it and back body drop, was uh, Casey Quick. Kip Osborne, don't know if you know him. It's Paco Loco, which was uh, which was Chris Dickinson. That was a really oh, good match. I saw that. With an unbreakable table, which was brutal as anything. Like, Chris Dickinson tried to break that table so many times, like, to the point where it was like, mate, just, just walk away, will you? Like, this isn't going anywhere. That got nasty quick. Mm. They got light tubes out. And mm. then, uh, was it Kip Osborne was bleeding from his arm? And I just went, oh, fucking hell. And they had to tie around it as well at the same time. Mm. And I'm not great with that kind of... And I didn't kind of see that happening because the Ricky Shane Page-Alex Zane match is just quite zany. Yeah. Very much like the Tony Z- Tony Depp and Alex Zane match. Which was his of. breakthrough match last year on the show, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, it, it, you know, and that was really good fun. Mm. And this just turned into a kind of like a death match and got nasty. And then I won't lie, I did see how much time they were spending kind of sanitizing the ropes and the ring and sweeping out the the all the, the um broken light tube that was everywhere afterwards that they continue to have matches on. Um it was it was what I expected it to be. Mm. Um I'm assuming Janella was pissed. He <laughs> he did seem pissed when he cut his promo at the start oh, and yeah. he got involved. I gave up when there was that match involving his mate. Nasty Leroy. And, uh, that was shit. Did you not see, uh, was it, it was it, was it his opponent? Yeah, it was his opponent. Uh, I think he Dalton. Dilf Boy Daltano, I think was his name on the show. Where he, li- he, cl- he literally climbed onto like a Clid's playhouse and tried to do a spot off it. and just fell through the roof. If anything sums up this show, it was that spot. Is that where you turned off, JP? Is that where you were done? <laughs> I saw that and I did laugh at that. Yeah. But it was just went on. Like, how long was it? It was bad. It was the purposely bad match on the card. It was like, this is like the amateur hour of backyard wrestling kind of throwback it was. Uh, it did go It was a up. nice day. Just people getting pissed underneath masks for the duration. They were very good with that. People kept the masks on. People did keep the yeah. mask on throughout. I know I had some concerns about them doing the deathmatch stuff. I spoke to a doctor friend of mine who said it's an airborne disease, not a bloodborne disease. So, you know, there are other hygiene concerns with blood and stuff, but maybe that's not the the biggest problem, uh, despite it just in general being a bit gross. Um, Let's get the cheese graters out then, eh? That's an excuse, isn't it? They didn't just do that. They got caught. Literally, there was a spot where, I don't know if you saw the gif, but fucking Schlack ran a man over with a car and then set some fireworks off on top of him. Like that, that's where maybe the show went a bit too far in the main end, both through Buck and Schlack um, and doing that spot. Uh, yeah, that, that's where it even got a bit too crazy with the backyard stuff for me. Um, uh, did you see any of the stuff, or did it, was it just that? Was it, did you say it was the Nick Gage match you saw? Yeah, I saw the Nick Gage match, but to be honest, like rather than like watch it for the wrestling, I was just watching it going, like, would I attend this show? <laughs> <laughs> I would, yeah. They're all wearing masks. <laughs> Yeah, they were all wearing masks and it was in the open and it wasn't crowded and there was sanitization. So I did kind of feel like, like, would I attend this show or go to Topshop? I think I'd feel safer at this show, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my general feeling. Like, um, 
but yeah, like the, the Nick Gage match was it was just fun <laughs> as always. But um, yeah, like it 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 seemed like a pretty cool, fun show, and they were a lot safer than you'd imagine mm. those guys to ever be. Really, yeah, yeah. They, they were safe when it came to COVID, but then when yeah. it came to the actual spots in the matches, that's where kind of safety went mm-hmm. out the window, didn't it? But uh, to be honest, I went like I said earlier. I went round with my mate Marty's, had a few beers. And enjoy. It was like a nine o'clock start UK time as well. Uh, I noticed on Twitter, like it felt like. To be honest, it felt like a a good distraction for people. Like you know, we've we've kind of been entrenched in you know the horrible stories over the last two weeks. It was the most alive I've seen my Twitter timeline of people just you know laughing at them going through the, the kids' playhouse, laughing at the spots into the pool. Like there was a spot where um, Logan stunt was. They did like a trampoline spot where he jumped into a oh, tree. Oh yeah. And then it's it's incredible spotlight. And then hung from the tree and did a runner um, off that uh, onto the trampoline. There were loads of like big creative spots like that, big spots through through doors and off like the platform and stuff. But generally, it just felt like a party atmosphere. It just felt like it, it was there for Janella and his mates to get pissed to do some awful, awful commentary. And the commentary was terrible throughout the night, even when Janella wasn't on. Um, yeah. But just yeah. generally to just be there and to have a party. That that's what it was. Uh, and it was dudes doing silly gimmicks and doing silly spots. Um, you know, Nick Gage throwing a dude through a car window, that type of stuff. That's what this show was. Like if you've seen the gifts, it kind of was. It was gifts as a show. That's what this is. That's entirely what it's for, really, to create that type of stuff. Nick Gage's got a um there's, there were adverts for it, and I've seen a little bit of it, but there's a Nick Gage thing where he does like a sort of Q&A with fans' questions. Mm. And just his reaction to most of them is quite funny. I don't know if you saw it from any of the trailers. That yeah, were they ask him like what his like, favourite food is and things like that. Like, I, and, he, just, and he would just like go, what the fuck? And then just sort of look away in like a sense of disgust. And that was kind of funny. Because mm. he has like a kind of... When we asked Steph questions about chicken earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of... It, <laughs> And I that was caught me off guard. <laughs> oh, I was thinking, stuff. in some ways, he was kind of reacting like a sort of wrestling's version of Roy Keane. Mm. In some ways, he was really sort of churlish and standoffish, That's high praise, but entertaining in how he says it. Not quite the full Roy Keane, because no one can be Roy. And if again, if he does become manager manager of Azerbaijan, all I want in this world is a. Uh, fly on the wall documentary that follows him around just to throw that in before i forget hey yeah nick gage he's a bit like roy Keane. Yeah, <laughs> no selling it watch it it's good for a laugh uh, fair enough it's i think that, that's all, all i'm right. getting out here on a gcw review isn't it stay tuned i'll start the gcw podcast at some point so i'll get someone who's uh someone to join me who's similarly excited about men getting ran over in uh in people's back gardens yeah. Makes me sound like a sadist, that doesn't it? Oh well. <laughs> but anyway, fun show. You, are, you can actually put your ratings into Grapple if you're feeling um, so inclined. But yeah, it, it definitely wasn't a wasn't that type of show. Joe, I know you're a Nick Gage fan. Don't think I've talked you into watching it here. But you know, when GCW comes back to doing regular shows, maybe tune in then. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> And on that note, has <laughs> anybody got anything else they want to discuss? Anything that anyone else has watched? Uh, we have got a uh, a bit late and long with this one, but you know we were catching up. That's the uh, that's mm. the theme of uh, of today's show. I don't know anything else. Anyone else wants to talk about? No, other than a thanks, Steph, for coming on and joining us, and hopefully, yeah, absolutely. It wasn't- 
wasn't a nightmare of an experience. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I'm going to expand my diet beyond chicken. And you stick ah, with stick, the chicken. Stick with the chicken. If you go and steak, don't go for this Iceland steak. Like I've had a couple of lockdown steaks. I'm like, I'm not spending a lot of money. I'm I'm in a position where I'm thankful I'm still earning my full wage. I'm going to go for a taste of difference fillet steak from Sainsbury's, £5.95. I wouldn't do it on a normal day. Throw it on the barbecue. My God, unbelievable. Like, I was experiencing pure joy while JP was having right. a steak to do a job. That was a one-off Iceland steak. <laughs> I have eaten some other decent steaks. This is a conversation to be continued for another time. But it will Mate, be continued. come around here for a barbecue at some point. We'll have a, we'll have a good steak for the barbie. There we go. Is that the title of the oh, show now? Iceland Steaks, is that what we're going with? Yes. Yes. <laughs> there we are. But anyway, yeah, to echo what It should JP. just be Iceland, shouldn't it? With the sort of Iceland? chicken Kiev stuff. Chicken Do Kiev, you know, How earlier on? <laughs> We've got options. Maybe JP. Iceland Steaks to start it off. I there think we're go. looking for a bit of a sponsorship deal with Iceland at this point, aren't we? They get we a lot of money. with Toby Carvery and. We could be like Kerry Katona. Oh, oh or Peter Andre who followed as well, right? Yeah. And then Stacey Solomon as well. I'm going through the whole list and litany of Iceland-based celebrities. Anyway. Iceland ITV sort of crossover universe is strong, isn't it? It is. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> this is why we're back, everyone. A little bit of normality for you. Um, as as JP was saying, though, uh, Steph, thanks thanks so much for coming on. Um, have, you got, have you got anything you want to plug in, general? Uh, anything you want to uh, shout out? Uh, no, just me. Follow me on Twitter, Stephanie M. Chase. I'm on YouTube, Stephanie Chase Wrestling. There's lots of interviews and stuff there. Um, most recently with Corey and Carmella. You want to watch that? <laughs> a double bill both them together but yeah I've got some coming up this week as well so yeah did you do one with Mrs Undertaker as well recently I heard <laughs> I did interview uh, Mrs Undertaker Michelle McCool and yeah <laughs> and that was very fun she is um, she's her own person but she was very willing to talk about being Mrs Undertaker <laughs> she um, good double bill for you there, Joe. With your, uh, you can you can finish off the Undertaker documentary series. Oh, jump right into Steph's interview. There Did you, you ask for any of that God is Dope merch <laughs> there in that episode no, I, of the documentary? I did not mention the God is Dope merch, but <laughs> that's how you should have signed off the interview, Steph. What God is Dope? God is Dope, and then just hang up the call. <laughs> Or God is not dope, I'm an atheist, and then hang up the call. Either way, the choice is yours. Right. Speaking oh. of hanging up costs, <laughs> I think I'm going to have to take this one off. Uh, yeah, follow, follow Steph on all, the, uh, on all the social medias. Follow JP at JPJP. <laughs> follow me at Benson Richard E. And yeah, follow the Grapple app. And obviously, uh, as we all learned today, use the, uh, use the filter tool on Grapple. Lots of, lots of fun little tools on Grapple. You can get all I kinds of ratings. I look forward to it. Yeah, and you can check out everything we've, uh, we've talked about today. Get all the, uh, the New Japan stuff as well. But yeah, we'll be back uh, next week talking uh, Dominion uh, and the New Japan. Cup final, so yeah, everyone can uh, can look forward to that. And uh, I suppose that's the that's the end of the show. What were we going to sign off on? What did you say then, JP? What's what's the good sign off line? By the God match. is dope. God is dope. There we go. God is dope, everyone. That is dope. Bye. <laughs> so yeah. You're not enough for me.
Can we end with Michelle McCool's music? Yes. yes. <laughs> Do you know it? Uh, I'll, I'll, yes. You're not enough for me. <laughs> that one. Uh, we've all got... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.